Hey everybody, this is Drew. And this is Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoky Controllers podcast. to episode 31. Before I start, I'm going to go over our social media stuff real quick. You can type in the whole name of the podcast, Lock, Talk, Lock Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers, on Facebook, and that will find the group, the Facebook, as well as you can type that in on Spotify to find the podcast and Drew's uh, playlist for all the songs we've played so far. Now, this is where it gets a little confusing, because we communicated very well with this. You can use the word to smoking controllers to find the Twitch and the Reddit. And you can use the number two to find the Instagram page. And that's the one that I moderate, and I didn't tell Drew that I was using the number two because I was trying to be edgy. And I think, I think the word two also applies to the Gmail as well. If anybody wants to write in and oh, ask that's on the Gmail, I'll make any, any dumb questions because I don't want to forget that either. I think that's everything for the social media stuff. We got it. We, we still it. have. Uh, I'll keep mentioning it for another couple of weeks, maybe, but we do still have that that game, uh, Shining Resonance Refrain, from a few episodes ago. If nobody claims it soon, I'm going to toss that bad boy. And they gave me it really worth much of anything, but if if nobody wants a free game, that's fine. We'll just toss it. And we'll try with the next one whenever that is. Yeah, we don't have any plans for another one yet, but there's bound to be something lying around the house. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to go forward with the uh, first of the games we're going to talk about today? Yes. Um, we're going over two games today, both of which involve siblings on a journey. Yeah, sibling dynamic. Sibling And sibling dynamics. The first game we're going to be tackling today is Life is Strange 2. And it, sorry, I had an itch. And uh, Life is Strange 2 is actually developed by Don't, it's either Don't Nod or Don't Nid. It's, I don't know how to pronounce because there's no space. But Don't Nod Entertainment. They We've talked about one of their games previously. Vampire. Vampire. And they have done seven games total. They've been around since uh, May 2008. Mm-hmm. They are now broken up into two studios, and the combined studios have 250-ish employees. Okay. I think they have some people working on the mainstream, which is their Life is Strange franchise. Yeah, I'm not sure there's going to be more of those games or not. Well, I think there's going to be. I just don't know what, because there's people talking about Life is Strange, too. Like, they've hinted at it. and like Three, you mean? Yeah, three. 
but I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. Mm. As well as like they did like the, the mini version, the Captain Spirit, which we'll talk about briefly. Yeah. And, and after that, I don't, think, I don't think it's related, but Game Pass has uh, their their game Tell Me Why, which is only a three episode narrative. Yeah, but we'll we'll get into that eventually. Um, one kind of cool thing that they uh kind of did like for a concept wise for Life is Strange 2 because Life is Strange 1 and Before the Storm they all kind of it maintained in a single town setting yeah and they wanted to try something vastly different and with each episode of Life is Strange they wanted to take place some, somewhere else yeah but before doing that let me the game revolves around uh brothers Sean and Daniel Diaz Older brother Sean, younger brother Danny. Daniel, yeah. And they were inspired from, like, what's the word I'm looking for? I think the term is like road movies, like over the road companion movies. Road trip movies? Sort of, but not like party college road trip movies, but like over the road movies. Uh, Examples being Into the Wild. A gentleman named Mike Brody, who would take photograph, he would freight hop and take photographs of the trains and of landscapes and stuff while he was riding freight. Apparently, he's a known artist. I've never heard of him, but I'm not into art. And oddly enough, the novella uh, of Mice and Men by uh, I think John Steinbeck. Mm. They they took con- uh, the concept ideas from those three individual things, and I can kind of see it, the f- especially with the freight hopping. And into the wild, yeah, and sorta of mice and men. I mean, Daniel is a—he's no Lenny, that's for sure. But he's got, I guess he's got the innocence of a child. I guess I don't know of mice and men. I know of—I know actually, it's famous. I just don't—I never read actually, it. Actually, now that I think about it, it, does make perfect sense. Really? Sort of, except for the ending. The, is that the, one of those books I was supposed to read in high school or something? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a 92-page book, Oof. and it's a movie starring Gary Sinise and uh, John Malkovich. John Malkovich plays Lenny. I'd watch the movie. <laughs> it's it's good. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to give that brief little tidbit. Let's see here. Okay, so how Life, Life is Strange works is in the first one, you play as a character who has a superpower. In the second one here, you don't actually get to play as the character with a superpower. You play as Sean, the older brother, who's 15, mm-hmm. and the younger brother is 9. The younger brother develops a very vast superhuman power, which I believe is just telekinesis, but you can do a lot with strong telekinesis. Yeah. He can do, he can do a lot of from small scopes to larger larger things. Uh, it, it happens as it happens throughout the, uh, the whole game. He does different little little things and big things. You just, you'll see as you, if you play through it. Uh... There's not really a great. Uh, I mean, I guess it tries to do a a growth of what he can do as you as you uh, play through the game. He starts off with little rocks and then picks up bigger stuff. But uh, I feel like the game doesn't do time passing very well. It kind of jumps ahead sometimes, or it drags its feet at some points. And the only way to really know about how much time passed is to go through your journal in between episodes yeah. and figure stuff, out stuff happens between was it five episodes five episodes yeah. there's quote unquote story happening between episodes and when you start a new episode you gotta flip through 
uh, Sean's journal and he kind of tells you the what's been happening during those times. Uh, are we going to spoil a bunch of stuff? Uh, we could throw a spoiler warning up right here because this is a narrative a narrative game. But I will say on the right here on the front end, uh, this is one of the most boring games I've ever played in my life, especially a game with superpowers. It's painfully boring, and as I've uh, I read around on the internet and stuff like that, uh, Reddit and just other little articles that I've kind of poked through, uh, people tend to agree that this game is unreasonably boring. Uh, yeah. It's it's crazy how you can have so much game and have so little of interest happen. Uh, I don't know if uh, Blake may agree or he might have. There's some points to like and some scenes that are good, but overall, uh, I wanted this game to be over like two episodes in, and I had to do three more episodes afterwards. Um, and it didn't really get any better. It doesn't really get any better. Um, they make some real questionable We'll go through maybe some. Of the, I don't know how much we want to actually spoil, but they do a really, um, a really they make a really bad story decision at the beginning of the game, and I think it's just for the sake of having to do something to make something happen. Uh, and throughout the game, they they kind of keep making that same decision over and over again just to make the game longer. And I feel like we talked about this before in uh, making uh, Telltale games too long sometimes, where they just characters just. What's what's the difference between a character being a bad character and a character making bad decisions to make a game last longer? Yeah. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. If we've talked I'm having a weird deja vu that we've talked about something like that before. But this game has that where is this bad like is the character is it clever that the character's written this way, or is it annoying that the character is just making bad decisions to fluff the game length? Uh I, and to me um, this being Don't Nod, if you listen to the Vampire episode, I was not a fan at all of the way Vampire was written. Uh, Vampire was a mess of writing. This, I mean, it's the same people. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. It's the same people. Uh, I did not like anything, really anything about the story of this game that made me think back because I actually liked uh, Life is Strange 1 quite a bit. I feel like, and then I liked Before the Storm, even though they didn't actually develop Before the Storm. Yeah. They, they, they they let a, another company do that. Um, <laughs> I will say right here, and I'll, I'll let Blake take over and try to do some positive stuff, that uh, I disliked Life is Strange 2 enough that it makes me question, did I actually like Life is Strange 1 that much? I, I actually have the same thing wrote down. I'm like, because I, I, I don't want to go back and play it. Yeah, I want to keep the memory, but... Is it as good as I think it is? Yeah. And it's, I think it helped being a completely different mechanic. Because mm -hmm. Life is Strange 1, you play as a girl who can rewind time. You can have conversations, rewind time, and change the conversation. That's more interesting than tossing rocks around. And when you, and when you, don't, you don't even get to play as the character who's tossing the rocks or yeah. picking up, really just picks up things and waves them around. And every now and then he gets mad and throws something big. I don't know. Real big. Um, I just feel like the... I don't know. It, it makes me wonder if do I even like this company uh, comes to mind. Uh, I get this way when I'm a couple when I'm, I'm a couple of games into a, a certain company. Mm -hmm. I'm like, do I even is this something I thought I liked? And I was, I don't know. I was like, I keep playing their games. I, I keep playing their. I, I want to I want to play that. Uh, tell me why. It's only three episodes, and I watch the trailer. I'm like, it looks interesting, but is it going to be real bad when I play it? So I'm I'm kind of. 
I'm on the I think I'm on the fence, but I've kind of fallen off one I've kind of fallen off one side of the fence on like I don't think I like this company. Uh, with uh, Life is Strange too and Vampire. I mean, I really hated Vampire. Vampire had such potential to be good, but the the writing was vague at best. Yeah, and so. then the. Uh, the combat was atrocious. They're like, oh, it's a Souls-like, but you get wrecked by everything. It wasn't yeah. super great. Yeah, literally the vampire episode. Yeah, I know, though. but it's... So let's see if... Uh, I said a little... A couple of my, some of my thoughts there. There are parts uh, of Life is Strange 2 that... Uh, there's moments... There's, there's like touching story moments, which is what all narrative games try to do at some point. I, um, we worry about when you have uh, kids involved in a video game, are they going to be annoying? Uh, I think this game, it's okay most of the time. Ironically, I think um, the older brother is the more annoying of the two. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I can keep going and going. Do you got you got stuff, thoughts you want to get across? I got a couple of things. Um, we could have uh, hit, hit real quick the uh, the graphics and then the general gameplay. I mean, I think people know how narrative games kind of work. This game, this game does look different than Life is Strange One. Yeah, it does look it's different. I don't know if it's a different art director or anything, but it does look different. It's more, uh, is it more, is it more not, not, uh, not clay, not claymation. That's the wrong word. But Self-shaded? I, no. I don't know. It's kind of hard to, like, how do you explain it? Uh, they kind of look like the, no, they don't. I said they kind of look like the, 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 the fisherman guy from, Man for Man Eater, but not really. They don't because they it, they go for a realistic style, but they're not looking. Uh, but they don't look like cartoons. They're like this weird in between thing. It doesn't quite look like. They're not even Life is Strange one. Maybe it looks a bit more like Life is Strange uh, before the storm. It kind of you could tell it's the same franchise. Yeah, but it looks a little different, and I, they seem to be real, real, real proud of their environments. They're, like they're showing off a lot of the times on their environments. Well, the, the, that that's cool and everything to have the environments cool because they try to make set pieces. Set pieces are mem- memorable. The cabin in the woods and yeah. the gas station and like every, everything's kind of a set piece. But the only problem is some of the environments look better than the people. Yeah, this I don't remember this in the. Uh, I mean, we have we have to compare this to Life is Strange one, but uh, we talked about this when, while we were playing that the people, the animations on the people in this game we real robotic a lot of the time and it, enough that it kind of like pulls you out a little bit i don't remember that again looking back on life is strange one i felt like that game the way that game was animated and the way that game flowed you kind of just got invested in those characters in life is strange one and never had anything like heads jerking or the way like the dead eye stares that sean has and you know the, mm-hmm. the, the uncanny valley everybody talks about but uh which i think is hard is maybe easier to get past in a cartoony looking people, but yeah. uh, you see a lot, a lot of Daniel. Do you know what you're saying? And you see with Daniel, uh, because you just see a lot of his, a lot of his face, a lot of all your, most of your conversations are from Daniel's. If not all your conversations are really from Daniel's point of view. So the camera sits on his face a lot when he's talking to people. You mean Sean? Yeah, that, did, I, did I swap it? You said Daniel. Yeah. I think I said Daniel the first time, too. Yeah. I, get, I get confused with Daniel yeah, and Sean. Sean. Yeah. So Sean, you end up playing, seeing Sean's face quite a bit. and uh, He's probably the worst animated of all the people in the game, honestly. If you're thinking back, thinking back through the whole game, 
And why didn't they make him less stilted than he is? It seems like a lot of the time. I don't know. I feel like it's really just him that uh, appears to be that way. Well, you got to think the comparison between the first one and this one. The first one, they had to make the environment perfect. And they had people constantly going through the exact same motions so people could catch things. Because you were at the school you were, or you were at home. Like you were in like three places, like the junkyard, school, home, and then like the road. Or the the, and like there was distinct things. And this one, the environment changes constantly, so you don't have you don't have near as many people going. Hey, that animation looks kind of weird. We should fix that because yes, we're going to be doing but, that. But, a they're, bunch. but they're also a much larger team than they used to be. I don't know. It just seems strange on a game that's focused on characters that 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 the characters themselves maybe they the way they look wouldn't be the number one priority. Uh, yeah, they did because okay. The whole game revolves entirely around the sibling dynamic we talked about earlier between Sean and Daniel. And because of the focus on the two, the two of them and their dynamic, it makes a lot of the other side characters who could be cool kind of pointless because you don't get to really interact with any of the side characters in any other episodes. Yeah, you mentioned that while we were playing. We're two of the, two of the episodes in and you're like, why am I making decisions with people that I never see again? And you're right. Like you, even two or three, two or three episodes in, you play the rest of the game. Everybody you meet, you never, you never go see them again. Because like the, you, the brothers are constantly moving forward. Now I ain't gonna spoil the why, but there is a reason why the brothers are on the road. They're running from the, they're running from the police, and they're trying to get to Mexico. So every episode, you're in a, you're in a different place as they. As they, as they're on the run, I think they the, start... re, the on the run part is is the bad, uh, the bad story decision they make. There's something that happens, and there's a really badly written story decision, and that's why Sean grabs Daniel and they run. Uh, maybe that's how kids would have reacted in the real world, but it it's it, uh, the way the game plays out his decision to run, and the, what actually happens on the um, the side of the law. Weirdly enough, believe me, I'm not a fan of the cops at all, but it feels like uh, him running, literally, legitimately this time, him running from this situation made made it worse, made everything worse. Uh, and uh, I think, but they had to make him run for the sake of the story of them getting on the road. We won't say how. I don't want to say why. Yeah, the inciting up, incident. The, we don't the incident and why they ended up running. Cause it kind of caught me off guard, actually. Yeah. Because I was wanting, because I knew I kind of knew it was a road game, and I was like, I was like, the way the way it starts, I was like, oh, this is kind of going to kind of play a little bit like the first game, and then bam, it's kind of it all it all kind of flips on you. It's kind of that part's actually kind of interesting. That's probably the last interesting thing that happens in the game. Yeah, frankly, yes. Like uh, it, there's, like I I spoke to Drew about it. I felt that. The game could have been vastly, vastly different if they had done episode one and maybe did episode two and used the last episode as episode three because there's a huge incident that happens at the end of the final episode like there should be. But I feel like that would have been an amazing jumping off point. And they could have flashed back to some of the road adventures to make them yeah, more meaningful. Not make, not make it about the road. And just not make it entirely about the, the road. Yeah, because a lot of the road is just them walking and uh, Danny complaining about being hungry. Yeah. That's the most of it. Or him wanting to use his powers and uh, Sean being real adamant about hiding his powers. The whole, ga the whole game is Sean being adamant about I me, mean, which I guess is understandable because, you know, the doctors will take you away and cut you up and stuff like that. But 
uh, and there's hints of a you know we're kind of getting all over the place on this, but there is hints of jealousy there, but they never pan out the jealousy. Yeah, that Sean would be uh, jealous of Daniel. There's a few like very small scenes where he tries to like think, you know, like do I have powers? Kind of tries to like move things, like huh? And he kind of just shrugs it off. I I wonder if there or maybe uh, they thought jealousy was just too too cliche of a thing for the brothers to have. Because like Sean's almost never legitimately mad at Daniel about anything that happened, no matter what Daniel does or breaks or problems he causes there's just no he just forgives everything this little kid does because well they he, he firmly believes family first family before anything i guess or that's just what his dad what dad taught him i guess mm, they're, well because they have to because slight spoiler warning uh their mom's not in the picture i'll just say that much she's not she's just not in the picture yeah and so they become a very close-knit family so i can see that him being like you know what you know, Dad always yeah, said. But then, but then they flash back to Sean treating Daniel like crap. That is true. Like, like a typical teenager with a younger brother. So he's not at all. I think he grew up really quickly and had to be like, "Yeah, Dad was right. Family first. Dad's right. Family I first. Yeah. So I figure out where, where we were. Was, yeah. I got sidetracked on the anim- animation, uh, the way the, the way the game looks. Uh, like I said, the, the, the way the way it plays. The way it plays is, it's a simple narrative game similar to Telltale's and other don't need the episodic games you spend most of your time walking around the environment and interacting with every single item Mm -hmm. (laughs) to help uh, pull yourself more into the character uh, to what's I'm looking for separation disbelief separate suspension of belief because you want to be pulled into the world so you interact with everything and you get all these little tidbits about snippets of dialogue from snippets Sean. of dialogue about ooh this is Daniel's favorite toy I feel bad that I broke it and you know or oh man I remember that night when all of us went to that movie and dad got a little a little drunk at the party you know cuz he is all these pictures and things you interact with and so on and so forth it just gives you it's supposed to pull you in, which yeah. it does. That's the that's the whole game too. Like when you every time you're in a new environment, the first thing you do before you talk to any people, you walk around and touch everything you can touch in the in the environment and get little snippets of dialogue. And that's really uh, that's the whole game, really. Yeah. Though I talk about the side characters not being important, which frankly they're kind of not. Because the main mechanic is Sean and Daniel. And depending on how Sean reacts in these situations, this is one of the cool things. Uh, Don't Nid, Don't Nod, said that the hardest thing to do in the game was creating Daniel's AI. Since you, you don't get to play as him, you don't get to make any of his decisions. His entire learning and being is based off decisions he watches you make and sees you do. Mm-hmm. So in like a certain situation... Um, he like Sean may not have any money because they're on the road, and he may go in and buy a bottle of water, and then try to see if he could steal a candy bar or steal something and not get caught. And Daniel will see you stealing and think that it's a it's an okay thing to do. And supposedly so, that relate that will relate to a later incident where Daniel tries to steal something. Like I, that I, he did steal. He does steal something from one of the characters that help you. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's a small thing though. Yeah, but like you can teach him to be good or be bad because he's learning from you. So that's kind of a cool mechanic. It just doesn't pan out well. Yeah, and it may be why it's, they. It's all, it's all supposed to culminate in your ending. 
Yeah. Which me and Drew, one of the cool things, me and Drew did have two vastly different endings. Yeah, mine sucked. Mine was actually pretty cool. Yeah, my, ending, my ending was dumb. My, mine would have made a, a good jumping off point. Yeah, for, for something for, for else. A, for a better game. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to ruin those. Just know that... You can get different endings, you for sure. Vastly. Now, we were both... Now, there's a lot of parts when you're running or walking around environments and... Uh, interacting with like you can do good and bad things there are major uh, decision points um, throughout which weirdly enough I guess just for the sake of I don't they're not really good good or evil choices I guess but for the sake of there's situations where uh, Daniel can use his abilities to hurt a living creature I won't it's not always it's weirdly not always people but Daniel could use his abilities to hurt something or physically damage something and those are like, I feel like maybe the key moments where you tell him to do or not to do it or try to stop him from doing it or, or let, or you can actually let him do things. I think me and Blake both kind of tried to stop him through most of the game, ironically. Mm, ish. In ish. certain situations. I didn't have him because being, because he's nine, he lit, he is a, a an embodiment of id, inner desire. He does what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But as a, as Sean, because who you play as, I tried to be reasonable, like, there is some heavy-handed politics, and a, in the beginning, got it. Thank God, it drops. It, it drops, yeah. But there is a little bit of racism because you are playing as uh, two uh, Latin American yeah. uh, kids. I think their mom was white and their dad's Mexican, mm-hmm. and so you get a little bit of hate that way. But as an adult, you know, a guy would—he's like, you know, hope they throw that wall up, you little mother father. And like as Sean Daniel was like, I'm gonna hurt him, and he had like he had, you know was holding his fist and was gonna like hit the dude in the head with a, a rock and like probably murder the dude. And I was like, don't don't let someone else's stupidity get under your skin. You're better than that. Like you know situations like that. But there were some times where we were about to get hurt. Yeah. By somebody, and I told Daniel, you hurt somebody if they're gonna hurt you. Type shit. I mean, the words. I mean, you know, sticks and stones. Break my bones, but words can hurt forever. But you know, you can forget words eventually. Uh, but even though I feel like we did kind of, uh, and we we didn't tell each other the choices we're making, which we tend to avoid doing in narrative game. We don't we don't tell each other what's happening, so it makes we so we can actually see because our biggest problem with narrative games is, uh, and Telltale's the biggest culprit of this, is the illusion of choice. Uh, where nothing you actually doing, nothing you're actually doing actually matters because of the way something's written. It has to be written a certain way to get to the point it's trying to make. Uh, so we often we've tried, and I've, maybe our uh, maybe our we, a lot of times we end up making different choices in games. Sometimes, and we end up we we talk about it later, and we get the same results, and we're like, it's pointless now. And like, and this game is kind of the same way, except. Uh, because all the exact same events happen, it just slightly slightly changes the dialogue. Now I was actually surprised that our uh, our endings were. Om- I, th- I don't want to say I don't, I don't want to say our endings, but I feel like our, when, our, when we talked about it, our endings almost completely different. Oh, vastly. Um, there's a a massive choice at the very end. Not going to say what it is, but there's a massive choice. And for Drew, it led to a simple two year gap. Yeah. For me, it jumped fifteen years, and I got to see some massive growth in some other characters yeah mine just kind of put it out 
So I, I definitely preferred my ending to Drew's ending because when we talked about it, I was like, oh yeah, I, my ending was actually really good. Yeah. Though my ending would have been a much better jumping off point than the actual puttering out ending. I was pretty disappointed. My, I was already, like I said, I was disliking the game and then when the ending rolled around and I even did some stuff near the end of the game and I, I was wondering if it was going to affect the overall ending and then like my ending happened and I was, just, I was like, this is it? I played through all of this to get this. Like, this is unreal. My ending, my ending, kind of a little bit. My ending is kind of, <laughs> my ending is kind of the result of the bad writing in a way, I guess. Like, my ending kind of goes full circle, and we end up back where we kind of, almost back where we almost started, except one brother is in trouble and one's not so much. Kind of ending. And I was just like, oh, man, what a waste of time. Like, I think this is what I get. It's what the game's given me for, I feel like the game knew I, was, I wasn't having fun. And they're like, oh, you don't have fun, huh? Well, take this. Because I don't want to ruin, but the choice at the very end of the game, there is a, a simple charge forward or surrender decision, mm-hmm. basically. That's, that's the two choices, charge forward or surrender. Drew chose to be gung-ho and charge forward into, you know, into the sunset, into what come. And I surrendered to the situation. I, I, I think I've I I got our endings mixed up. What do you mean? I think I, I think I got you some of your, I, th- I think I'm mixing some of your ending with my, I'm thinking about my ending now. Because my ending, I'm gung-ho'd, right? In my, yeah, you, you, okay. you, you charged forward, you went gung ho and I chose to surrender. That's why I think I'm mixing your ending with my ending in, in my head. Cause you told me your ending. My ending was much better than your ending. When we talked about it, my ending, I was like, yeah, it had a lot more like depth and touching moment and everything. Yeah. And you're like, mine sucks. I got a letter. <laughs> yeah, I did. I just got a letter. You got a letter and ended up with one of the women you spoke with throughout the game. Because <laughs> yeah. Sean's a bit of a pimp. Not really. He's terrible with girls. Yeah. But I did think... I did much prefer my ending to the surrendering one. It felt like the it makes you wonder if 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 it's one of those situations where the entire game boils down to that last decision. Like, are there two endings? I don't know. Do you get my ending? Do you get my ending if you forward? Did you get your ending if you back out? I mean, well, is there two freaking endings? Well, there, there's a cool. This is one of the cool moments where I can see the um, Daniel's AI affecting because some of the choices because you, you get to choose as Sean that you're going to go gung-ho or you're going to surrender go forward or surrender and depending on the, the choices you've made with Daniel Daniel can actually intervene and be like no like you can choose to go forward but Daniel will be like we're not going forward we're staying right here and Daniel can offset your decision and force you to do something else really? he didn't he didn't even intervene in mine and the other thing, we can choose to surrender, and he can do the other. He's like, no, we're not surrendering. We're not giving up. We're going to do it. And he'll use his powers to do that's, something. So that sound, that's, those endings sound like if we pushed it, if we both pushed him to be more independent, more. So we. So maybe there's four endings. Basically. So there's, there's the my rush on ending where I kind of held him back on his powers a little bit. And then there's your. Your surrender ending, where you didn't, you kind of held him back on his powers a bit. So well, he then, agreed so with me that surrendering was the better. So option. then now there's two other endings where that we've let him go gung ho the entire game, and it gets violent in the ending. So whether you leave or stay, 
yeah. he gets more involved with his ability. So maybe, maybe there's four endings, depending on how you... I mean, I'm sure there's some behind-the-scenes ticking of how many times you've let him use his powers and how yeah. many times you've told him not to. I mean, the whole game is Sean yelling at Daniel. But all in all, I enjoyed my ending quite a bit. Quite a good bit. I was like, this is actually pretty. It's yeah. heart, It was good, heartfelt. Had some good moments. I do want to mention uh, as an honorable mention for something. The um, with the with the exception of Are you talking about the music. No, oh. with the exception of episode one, episode two through five, I think they all start with a uh, recap mm-hmm. of the brothers' adventure so far, and it's told through uh, Sean. Because uh, Sean uh, has been uh, tells uh, Daniel these stories of the Wolf Brothers uh, and their adventure and stuff like that. It's done through uh, it's. I think it's more clever in the first couple episodes. It gets a little weird later on, but he but it's like he's recapping the game up to this point through telling uh, Danny the story of the Wolf Brothers. But every everything everything's by uh, what's the word. Uh, it's a bedtime story. It's a bedtime story, but everything is, um, I'm blanking on the dang word. I, I met, I can, I met, I'm, metaphor. A, a metaphor to what's been happening, but through the eye, like if they were wolves and they, like we met a friendly bear, and uh, which is another character you would meet. and then, So the character's a bear, and then we. He let us travel uh, on his back across the woods of danger yeah, and yeah, stuff but, like but that. It's, it's kind of interesting the way they choose to write it that way. There's a little art going with it. It's kind of neat the first couple of times. I feel like it loses its steam. When the game gets a little um, different near the end, it kind of those. It still does it, but it's less uh, less endearing. I feel like by the fourth or fifth time you see it, it, it is probably one of the more unique, cool things. Though, as I, yeah. I do like the story recap, I'm like, I'm, I think it'd be cool to actually play as the two wolves instead of two humans. <laughs> one with superpowers would be kind of yeah, cool. The super wolf. Yeah, the super wolf. Um, so I actually like those that little. Uh, recap version because a lot of games that these narrative games that have recaps it's just smashed together scenes that are out of order trying to explain to you what's been happening like Walking Dead would always do it where uh, it was annoying Walking Dead would uh, reference things like say you're, say you're like episode four or whatever of a Walking Dead game uh, so but something in, something in episode four uh, is going to be more important than something earlier so they would pull something way out of left field, like in in the previously, even though you didn't do it, say you did something in episode one, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's going to hap- That's gonna have repercussions in episode four, but you didn't see it in episode three. And so it's like previously on The Walking Dead, it would reach all the way back to episode one like it just ha- just happened. Oh, I didn't like, like those. Like you punched somebody yeah. who was a so, no-name. And now that game, now all of a sudden that guy's going to come back in episode four, but it didn't happen in episode... You know, I mean, I, I'm saying it confusingly, but I hate when they reach so far back like that maybe they thought it was cool to reach so far back but like previously it was like maybe previously like three episodes ago that's not previously Mm-mm. TV shows do that crap too like actual TV shows will do that they gotta cut back to the important stuff so you've wasted episodes watching filler at least they don't cut back because you watch a TV show where it cuts back to it was clear, something that was clearly a deleted scene oh yeah <laughs> something that never happened in or the show or they filmed at the same time they did the episode yeah. you're like that didn't actually happen, or they didn't say that, or they, they, you know, they. I was like, okay, but at least the games don't do that. I, I hate when they recap to a thing, especially if you're watching it like in succession, you're binging it on like Netflix or whatever, and it goes previously on, and it'll go to a scene that you remember, but their dialogue they're saying is not the dialogue that Different was dialogue. said, and yeah. you're like, 
I literally just watched that episode and that is not what was said. Why are you doing this? And now they're going off what was newly said as the currently... I was like, ugh. At least the gay gay is going to do that. So let's say, aside from that, having the cool little wolf narrative thing is... uh, I liked it. I mean, I I thought... I thought it was cool. I did enjoy it. One other... Because the game does a lot of cool little interesting small tidbits. Hmm. Uh, there's quite a lot of music that goes on this. Some of it is original. They actually produced in-house, and some of it's licensed stuff. Yeah. A couple of the licensed bands are Phoenix and the Streets, First Aid Kit, uh, Sufjan Stevens, and the Gorillas. Is the Gorillas in there somewhere? I, I don't. I don't really hear them. But I'm not the biggest fan of the Gorillas. I enjoy them sometimes, but. Some of the cool stuff is you can walk around house or in certain situation and turn turn on a radio, and if you leave the radio on long enough, the voice actor for Sean will start going, and then I couldn't get away, and he'll start like mumbling badly the words of the song like yeah, someone would do in real deep. life, and I yeah, thought that cool. was just interesting little realistic touches because that's what would happen. Someone would turn on a radio, and nothing for a long time, but then a song comes on that you would like because it's only certain songs. I guess, yeah. And then he would start like badly singing along to like the songs. And or I was the like, part he liked, or part that his character liked. It was kind of a, a or cool, the one he cool, could sing. Yeah. Like, yeah, cool little touch. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, it's a dumb detail, but still cool. When you yeah. when you see it happen, you're like, oh, that's cool. They actually put the effort to making that happen. Um, we did. This was a GameFly game. This was a GameFly game. Ironically, this wasn't a game. Wasn't going to be a GameFly game at first because uh, Life is Strange Two. This is like when we first got Game Pass, and I wasn't watching it very well. But I know Life is Strange Two was on Game Pass, and then I was like, I guess we should play Life is Strange Two. And we looked on Game Pass, and it was gone without without really, without really any kind of warning. I think I don't know how how because I use now I follow all the Game Pass posts on Reddit and stuff like that, so I see when stuff is leaving. I was like, well, crap! It left Game Pass. And we already talked about wanting to play it. We really liked the first game, so then I dropped it on, dropped it up pretty high on the game fly. So it, it it came like a week or two later. We did manage to get it. So, and it is what it is. Win. I would have been a. I guess I can't. I mean, I would have never paid for this game anyway. Cause I, I didn't. We didn't pay for Life is Strange One. I mean, Life. Is, so we've had all three Life is Strange One, before the storm and this have all been game flies. Cause you don't. Buying narrative games just seems bad. I've, I never bought any Walking Dead games. Well, some people like it because they like to try to make all the different choices and everything. But yeah, I want to play that's through. A mistake, though. I want to play through, get my achievements, some people, and not mess with the story. Some people talk about yeah, not not just achievements. People talk about that. On one of the podcasts, you play narrative games. You played. Uh, I've had a one other podcast that they talked about the first Life is Strange and the same podcast that. Uh, Kane and Rince podcast where they talked about Until Dawn that some people like play through these games uh, one time because they want whatever happened to be what happened to their storyline. That's me too. And playing back through, I feel like uh, that's what me and Blake have is uh, we don't play back through, but we usually have two different instances of kind of things that happen and when we talk about it. That's how we kind of got on, got on the the the, uh, this thing about illusion of illusion choice. of choice because we realize because we though we don't play the games twice, we talk about them. We realize everything's bull crap anyway. Like so, I, I mean, maybe it's best for people don't don't play through a narrative game twice because you'll see the seams of where things come apart and you're, where you're what what you're doing doesn't matter. I'm just trying to adjust so that I wouldn't like in the background. And one one of these podcasts eventually you're going to hear Blake's chair snap. 
<laughs> the wild thud when he hits the ground. We got to buy another chair. Yeah, I'm I'm a fatty lumpkins. Um, Do you have anything else you want to add in? Like, it's not a an, a god awful game. I've played much worse games. I played worse games, but I was the problem. With this game is just blatant, just like sheer crushing boredom. I think I, I we, we did use TA. And I did 100% the game. I got all the achievements. We got all the achievements. Yeah, I did and it too. took me about 21 hours, which is a little long for an episodic game. Like The game, without right out the gate, the game is twice as long as it should be. Everything that happens takes double as length as it should take. Well, see, I wonder if... Because personally, I'm not a fan of those... Um, like the, the thing they talk about. Like the road movies, like a guy going on an adventure on the road. I don't care. I want... I don't care about that. So maybe yeah. maybe people who actually like that sort of thing would enjoy this more of people. Well, going, Life is Strange one was actually was actually talked about in gaming circles. Nobody's nobody cares about Life is Strange two. I haven't heard. And of Life that. is Strange one was just in one town. You know, it was more it was more important. Like what was happening in that one town was way more important. Than what's happening to these brothers? Like nobody just. Yeah. I mean, it is narratively. But you can't fault them for trying to do something vastly different. Like, instead of having everything yeah. placed in one area, every episode takes place somewhere different. So that is, at least, like, they're trying makes, I think to, it makes the whole game disjointed. A little bit. Yeah, you didn't get a chance to really get attached, I've already said it before, really get attached to any of the characters because they don't matter. Yeah. But before I poop on the game too much, it's, you know, play it. It's okay. It's yeah, got... I would buy it. Yeah, uh, if you got GameFly, put it on GameFly. Well, actually, I think no, that's all. Wait, aren't any episodic games the first episodes free? The first yes. hits free? They've done they've done it all now. I think every every company who does episodic games, the first episode's always free now. I think everybody does it now. Walk Telltale started it, and now uh, recently all the uh, I think all the Dote Nine games all episode one. I'm not sure about Before the Storm because Before the Storm's only like three episodes. But yeah, but I think they do the same thing with the Michonne stuff, and that's only three episodes. Isn't the first episode of that free? I don't know. Anyway. I forgot about the Michonne game. <laughs> but Life is Strange 1, the only problem is you're like, what are they talking about? That was crazy. The first episode is probably the only good one. The best episode. The first episode and the last episode. Yeah. So they're gonna reel you in with that, that with that inciting incident, and you're like, Oh my god, what what happens next? I gotta find out what happens to the brothers. But then you're just... The answer is a whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of just walking. A lot of walking. Yeah. And them arguing. Walking, arguing, some train hopping, dodging the popo, maybe some people, drug dealers here and there. It's just some fun stuff, maybe. I don't know. I just thought it's way too long. Because yeah, you do have to... The walking... Not all of it, but there's some of it you literally have to participate in the walking on the side of the road. Yeah. You're like, oh, look at play, that raccoon, I, Daniel. Look at this rock. Everybody's trying to expand the narrative genre. Like like early Walking Dead games, there'll be like five episodes, and every episode's maybe an hour long. Maybe, yeah. You know, maybe you can hour. You can just crush a, like a, a quick narrative a quick narrative adventure and actually get an okay story, I guess, in The Walking Dead. Those are... Uh, heavily overrated as well as if, you, if, you, if you go back to the Walking Dead games you're like oh this isn't as good as I thought it was it's because there was nothing like it at the time and you go back to them which we've gone back before because of a remaster re, re, like a remaster I think we, well, we I think it's just the first early Walking Dead because they were on 360 and then they were on Xbox One 
and yeah. had separate achievements. So that anyway, um, lost what I was saying there. Oh, lengthwise, yeah. The, all these episodes are just so so long. Um, you kind of get to be like, is this ever going to end? Like I said, 20, 20 odd hours when you play a Walking Dead game, it's five, six maybe at the most. And you're able to go to, up to 20, 25 hours to play all, all the way through this game. And that and we did actually, Blake said eventually he stopped touching everything. Eventually he got tired of touching and poking everything. It was just like, it doesn't matter. You know, like he just stopped. You know, so I mean, he actually. And I think the played. last two chapters, I was just like, because at that point I was probably at roughly 15 or so hours, maybe. 18 hours and I was like I don't care because I because I realized that none of the people was like I'm not going to go into this lady's uh, caravan who's really nice to us and poke through all the stuff and be like oh she's a really nice lady she's got grandkids oh no she actually has cancer doesn't matter because it doesn't matter because I'm never going to see that person again so I stopped going into as much stuff you're right once you leave that place you never see them again yeah but it's a trip. I don't know. I think it's a bad. I think it's a bad game. It's. Uh, I think that the voice had... acting and stuff is fine. Uh, I think. I think it's just badly. I think. I think. It, I, I don't. I don't know if they had a plan overall. Overall plan what they wanted to do with it. It just there's no. Um, like Life is Strange one has the storm and has the, quote unquote destruction of Arcadia Bay. There's there's no major big thing happening in this game. There's no, overall danger. There's a really. Uh, Really pointless, like episode four, I think it is. That's the one with the church. It's just insanely pointless. Don't spoil it too much, but yeah. Uh, episode four, I think it involves the church. Uh, complete, absolute waste of time. Like, it's such a waste of time. It's unbelievable. You could almost skip episode four and be like, didn't miss nothing there. Not really. Such such garbage. Um, but there's no, big, there's no big event they're building towards. There's no, like, their goal is like, we got to get to Mexico. I feel it's almost like uh, an old, like old '90s episodic television, where it's like Monster of the Week. Every episode there is the quote unquote the monster to beat and surpass and get by, and then they beat it, and it serves no purpose. It's move on. There's like no, there's no monsters. It's just like I mean, yeah, to... yeah. But you know what I mean. The situation, like a uh, perfect example, would be like that show Grimm. Stuff like that. Like, we, every episode was just like, what monster? Yeah. And we beat the monster, but the story itself doesn't move forward because there was no story. Yeah. The brothers are the, in my story, they're basically, they're, they're the same people they were at the, at the end of they were at the beginning. They didn't really learn anything. Yeah, mine's a little different. Like I said, my ending was much better than yours. I guess, but mine were just like, yay. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, I don't like the game, and I'm now now I'm questioning whether I like this company or not. We'll we'll try. Maybe I'll, I'll keep play, trying. I'm, I'm gonna I'll... play. Tell me why? Because it's only three episodes. I'll say how bad can it be? As I jinx myself before I play it. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, ready to move on to a uh, what we what we do consider a uh, a better game as our second game, though it has its own problems. Yeah. Okay, our second game we'll be talking about. It's called A Plague's Tale, Innocence.
colon, colon innocence. Yeah, a plague's tale, colon innocence. <laughs> it came out, uh, I think May 2019. The developer is Asobo Studios. They're a company that's been around since 2002, based out of uh, Bordeaux, France. They have roughly 140, 150 employees, and they've made 17 games. Really? They've made 17 games. Most of which were um, like Disney tie-in, Disney spin-off. Because they've done a, a Ratatouille game, the Up game, the Wally game. Oh God, they've been doing up with licensed garbage. Their Unfortunately, whole career. yeah. Huh. They have done a few other things. They it says they assisted with creating uh, the Crew One and Two racing games, and they assisted in the creation of Recore. Yeah, a Capcom game with the guy. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, Recore is boring too. Yeah. But they've only had they've only ever had two original IPs. The first one being Fuel, which I think is like an ATV racing or something. Mm-hmm. Fuel. Such a weird departure for what this game is. And I think it was I think that came out in like two thousand and nine or something. So ten years later, they got to make their second original title, which is a, a Plague's Tale: Colon Innocence. What am I choking on air, guys? I can't breathe. I'm out of shape. <sighs> okay. Itself is a uh, an action adventure stealth horror stealth game. Stealth horror game. Yeah. The horror elements are light, but they're definitely there. I think it presses the horror, though. The control you have over the horror situations lessen the horror. Yeah, because the game... I don't want to say it holds your hand, but it doesn't want you to fail. No, that's not true. Like there's things that are are very difficult, but like everything has a way to succeed. You're never like, oh my god, why am I so stuck? You just everything I hate situations like that. Oh really? Fighting people, yeah. I hate, I mean, I, I you just had to be faster with the controllers, get better at the game. Uh, anyway, we're getting off. We'll get into that as we yeah. move forward. Okay. Um. That's our first, our second original thing. Look up from a racing game to this. You want to explain what, the, what this game is? I guess. Okay, like I said earlier, it is a um, a action adventure stealth horror video game. It takes place in France, thirteen twenty eight. For those who don't know what thirteen twenty eight is, that may or may not be the start of the bubonic plague. <laughs> you know, just for funsies. It is. A, it's the third person over the shoulder style, mm-hmm. and you follow your main character, uh, Amicia, mm-hmm. who is a really good character. I enjoy her. Yeah. And you spend, like, the whole opening prologue is you're learning how to use your one and only weapon, which is this um, sling. Not a slingshot, it's a sling, like the little string. Spin it. And you're learning how to use that. And that's really the only attack mechanic you have. You have. Several different types of ammunition you'll get throughout the game, but your main thing is chucking rocks. Is chucking rocks, and you can use that as a distraction, or you could. Well, she gets over the idea fairly quickly, but you can use it to, to merc some mofos. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and it's also you have Amicia and her. She is. It's a similar dynamic to Life is Strange. I think 
Daniel was not Sean was fifteen. Daniel was nine. And this one, Amicia is I think sixteen. She's 15, she's a young woman. She's 15, sixteen. Yeah. And Hugo is five. Yeah. A much younger brother, but I also found him to be nowhere near as annoying as Daniel. Yeah. They somehow no. I read online people were complaining like uh, about uh, Plague Tale. You see all the comments. Oh, the boy with the kid was annoying me, so I quit playing right away. I was like, what does he do in the beginning of the game? It's even even remotely. I know like he runs off one time, but he has a legit reason to be upset. As you catch up with him, and he's okay. Like he's, I don't know. And his voice actor is not annoying. The voice actor, which he said they used a real kid. They like, yeah, both they used real people of a pro, of a fairly appropriate age. They didn't hire a thirty year old to be like, "Hi, I'm a little kid." They actually hired a, a small yeah, child. Yeah, you can tell he's actually a, you can actually kind of hear it in his voice. It's a legit kid, and he does just fine. Like mm-hmm. a border, I, mean, I would say basically nails it. Him and Amicia, like him and the, you hear most of the game is him and Amicia. Uh, they probably have the most dialogue, I, yeah. I assume. Uh, you meet a lot, a lot of other characters. I feel like they have the most dialogue, and, and Hugo's voice, voice actor is never annoying. I did find a cool thing about uh, the dialogue and everything because they wanted the the game to have the close of a sibling ties as it could, sibling feel. Is they actually had the the two actors? I forget their real names. But they, it's not like they've done a whole, whole lot to begin with. But Amicia and Hugo, they had them spend uh, as much time together as possible while recording. And to even they're, they're like, hey, y'all go on lunches and stuff and try to like get to know one another Spond. a little better. And then when they came back and like even like they recorded their dialogue together. Mm-hmm. And they allowed them to ad lib. You said they motion capped together. Too, mm-hmm. right? They mo capped. They, they did the whole. They mo capped and acted and voiced together. That way, anytime they would say something like, you know, she would call him a, a, a little baby name, a little brother name that wasn't in the dialogue. But they're like, you know what? Let's run that again, but um, make it a little cuter or something. Mm-hmm. And they would like really let them ad lib and make it feel more like, yeah, like they were close together, like, like real siblings. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. And there is, I think they used the they because uh, they both have accents. I think they might have used because you say it's French. It's a French company. I'm pretty I sure. I think they used actual and it's based in a French era place. I think they used actual French actors. Yeah. So all the all the voice everybody has a, a bit of an accent, and I, I think that's better than using uh, Americans. Trying to fake accents for sure. Yeah, unless they're British. British people can nail accents like no tomorrow. I guess, but I, 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 well, I like that they sounded, they sound genuine. Like yeah. they're not faking it. And you do come across other people, several other people, and you can hear distinct uh, differences in dialect and stuff yeah. like that. With you know drawls and slurs on on the same word, but from different people. Yeah. Type thing. Now, this game. Just like with Life is Strange, there is, and it's not episodic. No. It is based on chapters, though, like a book. There's 16 chapters. 16 chapters, or is, it, is there a, is there a prologue six, first, or is it or chapter one, chapter one? Prologue. 16 chapters, epilogue. Epilogue. Yeah. So 17 total. Well, 18 if you count it. Is, is no, it's 17 total. So it, it's prologue, 15, and then epilogue. Okay. So it's uh, 17 total. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, sorry for the numbers. Um, again, uh, the game itself graphically is pretty gorgeous. They yeah. they much full, more. It's gone for full full uh, full realism. I feel like 
one of the best looking games I've seen in a while, which is weird for a company that they must have had pretty uh, confident backers, which I think you said was Focus Home Interactive. Um, before you t- told me off podcast, yeah. Focus Home. We don't we don't talk about publishers that much, but I guess they had faith in the company that they gave them enough money because when it, when it, when it comes to a game looking when it, when a game goes for goes for good graphics, the biggest the biggest factor in that is is cost. So when you see games like the Uncharted's and The Last of Us, the reason they look that good is because they have Sony backing to make them look that good. Uh, it ain't. I mean, its developers are, can be talented and all that fun stuff, but it takes money to make things look that good. Um, and this game had enough backing to make it look legitimately like really, really amazing. Like the people look great. They, there's Amicia has a little bit of the uncanny valley in her herself, but uh. Uh, she doesn't react very well. Her her animate her face animation don't react very well to what's going on all the time. But you gotta also think there's a difference. This is France, thirteen twenty eight. She's seen some stuff. They just finished the Hundred Year War. I think it was. They just yeah. finished a massive war. Well, she's a, but she was a she adjusts quickly. But she were they were kind of a rich family. She's a little bit of a spoiled. She doesn't act spoiled because she kind of adjusts because her situation deteriorate her life deteriorates rapidly. Yeah, after the inciting incident. <laughs> yeah, which is we'll, we'll get to in a second. Another another this incident we can talk about because it's the it's the mechanic for the whole game. Yeah, but uh, she adjusts really well and she never really seems like a spoiled brat. Like we, I think because she has to adjust so quickly or she will die. Well, even considering because her father is a knight, and her mother is a like an alchemist, a bit of a yeah. medicine woman. So they got some money and she has, there's, you walk into they, your, they live, they live in a castle. I mean. Yeah. Or yeah, a manse at least. It's not a full blown castle. There's wings. Well, Hugo talks about wanting another castle. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> but like she, you're, you're well regarded. Like all your people, they're yeah, like, I'll, Oh, Hey, and, you know, Miss Amicia, Lady Amicia yeah, in the beginning. And you offer to help. You're like, do you need help with uh, plucking the chickens today? Oh no, I got it, honey. You go ahead and. So she's not a brat. You no, know, like, but she she she's gotten her hands dirty. Mm-hmm. So that's good to know from the get go. Mm-hmm. Now, we've spoken ab- about the inciting incident. So something happens. Uh, some people come looking for your family specifically. Your your dad uh, did something. He went against orders and did something he wasn't supposed to do, and it finally got to some higher ups that some higher ups that it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. So they come to your home looking specifically for your mother and Hugo and Amicia if she's there. Yeah, well, the, they they really only need. I don't know if it was really about his dad, really, really about their dad when those guys came, because they were really coming for Hugo. But they went ahead and took care of the dad to, you know, incapacitate him so that they could have <laughs> it's a fr- pretty fr- dramatic uh, series of events. These knights come and assault your house. Yeah, lots of inciting incidents. Keep and saying you, that. I know I don't know why I like that word. As I'm just stuck on that phrase for some reason. It's just stuck in my head, and I can't get rid of it. Rid of it. And uh, anyway, push comes to shove, and this is where the game immediately starts, uh, like the sneaking element, because you have people sneaking right away. You have these uh, guards and knights, pages, whatever. There's a couple of different layers of them because some have helmets, some don't, so on and so forth. The good news is, at first. 
because you're sneaking out with you, your mother, and Hugo. You've managed to find your way to come together, and you're trying to escape your home without getting caught. Your mom gets you out, but she can't get out because it's a small opening, and she can't fit, basically. And so you have to essentially run away. No, she she stays back to distract people. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's she, a big ass door. I know. I was just trying to be vague. <laughs> and so you're left with just you and Hugo to run. To run. Now we'll say that their their reason for running is way more legit than Sean and Daniel's. Oh yeah, because they have this is not bad writing. They have a legit excuse that they need to run away from their life here. Now before we get too much into it I want to say a couple of things there are like I said it's the Black Plague it's the Bubonic Plague so one of the major the two major villains antagonists in the game are this Order of Knights uh, they, they, the, the Inquisition actually it's the, the Inquisition is what they're called and then you have the Rats yeah the Rats is the big if you've heard about if you've, if you've heard about this game what you've heard about is the rats. The rats is the main, uh, the main mechanic and the quote-unquote horror element of the game. Um, you want to go ahead and explain? You said you you did read a little bit about uh, how the rats work and the different things they've done. They do a cool rendering of the rats, and it was actually pretty smart on their part. I think it's kind of cool because there can be literally up to five thousand rats on the screen. And the rats in this game don't operate. There's something else going on about the rats. They're not normal. Oh, yeah. There's something yeah, maybe it's a, mystical or I don't think it's, super... I don't, I don't think it's supernatural. It's more like... Is it supernatural? I don't it know. might be. It's, it, it, I don't, I'm trying to be vague. It's like supernatural, mystical. It's something about the rats. Yeah. Or... Because they swarm like piranha. Yeah. Like, swarm like piranha. That's the only way I can talk about it. And... These rats have a, a, a severe aversion to light, and mm -hmm. well, maybe not fire, but to light specifically. Like, you can pump, you can use light to create like bridges and walls, and they'll literally, uh, again, like piranha. There's they, or more like if you've anyone seen the movie uh, World War Z, like the zombies, they just run at this wall and they bounce back and just kind of build up at the wall, but at the light, it treats it like a wall. They can't go forward through the mm -hmm. light. So it's pretty cool. Uh, but like I said, up to 5,000 rats on the screen at one time. God, that's, that's a lot of rats, but I swear at some points in the game, there's got to be more than 5,000 rats on the screen. It might be, but that also may be from... Because the game probably had updates since then. But this is like this was like their starter statement. Yeah. And what, what they did to kind of do this thing is they designed the rats with four layers of rendering. So the closest one is full-blown. You can see it is a rat. It's got a tail. It's got the glowy red eyes, the black fur. It's everything. But depending on how far in-game the rat is from you, they take away layers of rendering. So the ones in the far back distance literally look like flat black cotton balls with red dots kind of just squiggling yeah, back and you forth. Can't, you can't actually... You have to look real hard to, and really far in the distance to even... I mean, I never stared at the rats long enough to try no. to figure out what they were doing. But they it also has they, they also get to do that because a lot of the areas you go into are dark because you you don't want to travel during the daytime because you don't want to get caught by the Inquisition. So you travel at night to make yourself as well hidden as possible. 
and because of that and the tricks of the light because you have the the sconces and torches and little handmade things and that also keeps because the, the light plays off the darkness so you can't actually all you can see is their glowy red eyes you can't see that there's a little cotton ball squiggling back and forth and so it's just it's they're, they're really cool I yeah. do like the rats, but the rats were never the most difficult thing to deal with. Yeah, humans were a lot worse. When I when I, when I said earlier when it first started the uh, horror, the horror of the game is the rats, and I, and I said earlier that they're a man a manageable horror, which kind of takes away because often when the rats are around, you're kind of in control of the situation. I don't know if they did that on purpose, but you always have access to light when the rats are around the entire game. So they're never, like, when it comes to getting killed by the rats, it's you kind of making a mistake. Like, you step too far away from a torch. And it's, you you, you it's literally... Just, yeah, it's just, they swarm you and they kill you, and it's like, game over. Uh, so you're never, what sucks is I, I kind of, I wanted, I need to play a horror game soon. I've been wanting to be scared for a while, and this game didn't, this isn't, I mean, it tries to be scary. Booga, booga, booga. <laughs> Did I scare you? A little bit. Yeah, touch. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to be scared I helped I love that chair falls up from you uh, the game is, uh, the rats aren't scary Like it, the game try, pushes real hard I, I want to mention something else here in a second too the game pushes like, everybody in the game is absolutely terrified granted they're, 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 they're the ones getting eaten by the rats so everybody's terrified of the rats uh, <clears throat> all the time but as a player you're like I mean I have light you know and I have different other tools and stuff like that to get through eventually you have these, these little uh, what do you call it? searchlights? You get you get the those are way late in the game, but you have so many like, different kinds of tools and tor- most, most there's a lot of freaking torches in the game, because humans quickly adjust to rats being around. They know fires the thing, so you're, there's fire everywhere. There's tons of fire in the game, and but the rats just aren't all that terribly dangerous. They're like the puzzles of the game. There's puzzles, and then there's like stealth stealth action against the guard against Inquisition. So there's puzzle rat puzzles and stealth action. Yeah, but it you it's violent when you get got. Yeah, they just swarm you and you're you're gone. I mean, there's more violence. I feel like it's more violent when you see them attack somebody else, maybe. Or when the guards find you and just they just stab you. I don't know. But uh, I've been I've been shot in one the face of the, with an arrow. I got shot a lot of times with arrows too. Yeah. Um. The we'll we'll talk to one of the more important elements of the game, and I know, I know you want to talk about him. Is the uh, composer for the game? Mm-hmm. He's who adds to the the general mood of the game and he adds uh, the sharpness to the horror that you want to have in the game. Uh, one of our growing uh, favorite music composers. Yeah. Oliver DeVerry. Yeah. Ironically, we had him in a, and he's who did Vampire for Don't Nod, uh, which he was, I think when we talked about Vampire was the music being the best part of Vampire. And then he also did the music for, oh my God, uh, Get Even. He was the music in Get Even. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. That's so, right. Yeah, he's awesome. And he... Uh, he does a lot of synthetics, synthesizers, synthetics, as well as mostly string, violin, yeah. che- so he deep fits, cello, and violin. Uh, though, because because of that time... What was, the, what was Vampire? The 1500s? 1800s? I don't remember. I think it was the... It was a it was the Spanish flu, the Spanish plague, where whatever that, that was. was. Like so fifteen, anyway, eighteen, as well as there. he fit in, as well as his music fit in the vampire. It just he feels real at home in this era, in this genre of this particular game itself. Like he just sounds, 
his music just sounds incredible in this game and it does he does do these high pitched like uh violins and stuff like that to emphasize the horror of when the rats when the rats show up uh, or different things there's so many music cues in the game for what's happening to what his music is doing and i feel like uh he was the the perfect choice for oh, this game definitely. the absolute perfect choice this for this game he he wonderful like there are moments where you're sneaking and you just like a lot of sneaking games where you have like the seeing icon where it first it's white yellow and then red mm-hmm. and there's different music playing depending on if they're not being seen at all mm-hmm. and then the tempo gets higher more screechier and then when it's red he's just like and just it's so yeah. fast well, you and know, so you high know, pitched you know when you're caught sometimes based off the music yeah because some you can't always see the guards and so sometimes you're trying to do just a you like, see him like, like walk off to the side. It's like time for a blind run. Yeah, a blind run. That's what I was looking for. And but you, you, as soon as that music picks up, you're like, oh, I'm caught. Yeah, stop, to, stop running. Let's get stabbed because you can't get it. You can't. Most of the time, we'll say ninety percent of the game, you can't get away from the guards. In the in the sneaking sections, you're meant to be killed. Yeah, if you're seen. The and he, fantastic music, yeah, very tell, atmospheric. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we've bragged about him in two other podcasts now, and he's you know we're three for three on the video games that he's been a part of uh, musically. As, uh, I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm like I'm starting to realize like man, I really like the sound of a cello. It's just <laughs> awesome sounding. Yeah, he's real good at it. Speaking of him, speaking of awesome cello, the um, Hilder. Goondaughter, the chick who did uh, Joker soundtrack, was all cello and stuff too. Yeah, she was great too. So I'm like, Man. She, I think she won, she won an award for that soundtrack. Yeah, so I'm like, maybe I really like the cello. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, maybe, maybe your Spotify's right. Maybe I don't know. Spotify's been trying to force a uh, Bach and Beethoven down me. Well, Beethoven's a pianist, isn't he? Maybe there are lots of stuff. Anyway, so uh, we don't have to rave about him the entire rest of the podcast. We already know. And he's fantastic. And if you've played any of the other two games, Vampire or Get Even, you uh, you you get a feel for his music, and you know that it is really good. Mm-hmm. This is probably is this the best? Well, Get Even was different. It had the synthesizers. Yeah, he was and more synthy in that, that one, but he but he was he was. But he also did it again. He's really great at music cues. Yeah, like that's his thing. He like things I feel are going. Like he was more. Was he more more ambient in Vampire? No, he was. There was lots of cello and violin going on, lots of string instrument going on. I mean, on. yeah, that's what he plays. But I'm saying, but was I feel like Vampire was more ambient than this. This is more I don't know, bombacious is the word. This is more like you, you, you hear like you the, the screeching and the because when the rats come, it's like you know the way yeah. the way I can't make. I'm, I'm I'm a human being, but uh, but the way he plays the music is the rats come in and the swarms and the wets doing different things or wats the wats. And the wats get here, <laughs> and they uh, it'll 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 play us you know of them coming in. You know, there's just like a music cue, and then if they if they come in, and then there's people around, and they the way the swarm will divert to a person, the music changes to them diverting to go kill somebody. And there's more there's a mu- more music for a different cue of sorts yeah. when they're eat, just, you know swarming somebody. It's it's very interesting and uh, you do have it's a- unmissable. Like you, his music's unmissable in this game. You do have a better ear for it than I do for, for changes and stuff, but yeah, it definitely mm-hmm. is one of the better parts. And it's not all it's not all drama in this game. There's there's down moments too where you get hit more mellow and more just relaxing. Just some gorgeous melodic because the game like it even with all its dourness because the game well, the game is gorgeous. 
the game's gorgeous, but it's also gorgeously gross. Sometimes, yeah. Because you're never like, other than like the the prologue, it's not all. It's not sunshine and rainbows with gorgeous trees and sunlight. You're on the run, so it's. And also for the the, it, I guess just because of the atmospheric effect, everything almost seems either nighttime. Well, actually, no, it makes sense because everything because they're burning bodies constantly from the plague. <laughs> yeah. So there's just thick smoke everywhere, and it's grimy and dirty. Squishy. Yeah, squishy. In some case, oh, that part was gross. But lots of squishy. Yeah, and I said earlier that she gets, you get a, like you sling and you hit people in the heads. She gets over the fact of killing people fairly quickly. That's video games. People talked about that way back with when the Tomb Raider reboot. Mm-hmm. When it's like, oh no, she murdered somebody. And then, I, I, and then later, throughout the rest of the game, you murder like a thousand people. Like she, she's kind of upset the first time you do it. But there's no... At least nobody's managed in a video game yet to tackle somebody who's not a killer having to kill. Nobody's been able to tackle that right. It's hard. It's just hard I, to do. I just do. don't think because if you if there's going to be killing in the game, there's usually going to be a lot of killing in the game. Like, as Amicia, it's weird. She doesn't kind of react until the second person. The first person you kill is real, 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 real sudden. And it was adrenaline-based, too, which makes uh, sense. And then you go in the second person is, is an is a actual one-on-one confrontation and she's kind of upset when you kill the second person. I'm like, I'm like what about the first guy? But uh, and then after that, you go on to kill dozens of. I mean, you you hit, you smash so many dudes in the head with a rock in that game. It's it does make a point because it does have a, a a small cast of characters that kind of grows, and I, I enjoyed them. I mm-hmm. didn't. There wasn't any one of them I didn't like. You I get love the whole cast. Everybody. You get a uh, you get twins. You get a brother sister twin combo. They're thieves. Yeah. They're more interesting characters than they are mechanics because some of them do end up traveling with you for short periods of time. You get advantages. Uh, the the thief girl, <laughs> hers is dumb, really. She can pick locks, so all the boxes and doors that weren't locked in the previous chapters are suddenly locked, and you're like, oh, can you get the lock for me? Yeah, it's kind of an add, like an added mechanic you didn't need. Her character's okay, and I liked her brother. And her brother, his uh, special ability was causing distractions. That was that was set PC. That's really, yeah. real, that's really in one chapter. It's kind of set PC. And then you get another dude, a little uh, a little alchemist. You get him. He's I think he's the first one you get. A little yeah. alchemist dude, and he actually helps you create uh, different types of the ammunition that you need. Yeah. He gives he one of the first things he teaches you is how to uh, catch things on fire, which is important. Like, Lighting torches and stuff from a distance. It's like you can see a brazier that's unlit, but you can. And chuck your sling, and it'll yeah. catch on fire, and make it'll explosion of fire, makes all the rats swarm, and then you can run in the wave of the rats. So that's kind of cool sometimes. Yeah. And then you get he comes in real late game, but he may have been my favorite. You get this awesome little blacksmith's apprentice, Roderick. Yeah, Roderick, and he he's the most useful. He's the most useful because he likes to. Uh, he's got some anger issues. And he, uh, he likes to take it out on guards. Yeah, he's awesome. I wish we get why he's not, he don't always have him because he's, he kind of breaks the, uh, he breaks the, uh, the danger of guards. Cause when you, if you're, when you stealth with him or the, the few times you get to have him, mm-hmm. I feel like it's the game c- cutting you a break. Like here, have a breather. You've got Roderick. And you're like, if, if any guard is facing away from you, you have you up on the D pad and Roderick goes and murders the guard. He has no problem killing people. And he, he he hates that. I think the Inquisition killed his family. I think, and you find out some other. If you go 
because we followed a TA guide for this and we got all the achievements. Yeah, there's, a bunch, there's a bunch of side stuff you could miss. You could, yeah, it's just like walking backwards or walking around a building behind you that's Good to never. unlock a door. You know, there's this cool, and you can find out a bit of his backstory. And, yeah, but he's he's definitely has anger against the. It's, the, it's the, not. It's no surprise. Inquisition killed tons of people's families. Uh, his being one of the many family. I think everybody you meet, the Inquisition's killed somebody in their family, or something. Along they go lines. around murdering everybody who has a cough. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a gorgeous game. I there's not a character that I'm just like, ugh, I can't stand you. Even the bad, even the the main bad guy is a pretty a good bad guy. I mean, he's he's messed up in the head, but yeah, he's he's not bad. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I must say, I didn't understand his motivations of what he was trying to do. He was trying to get what Hugo has. And I don't, we don't want to go too much into what Hugo has. Hugo has something. In he has his, a sickness, a sickness in his blood, but it has, uh, other effects. It's in his bloodline, I guess it doesn't really, Amicia doesn't have it. So I guess it like, it's, it's like an every other generation kind of thing, but there's a sickness or a sort of a sickness or something in Hugo's blood that the main bad guy is why he wants Hugo. So there's, he there's thinks he can synthesize the effect and make himself something better with Hugo's blood. So there's whole thing. That's why that's why they're trying to get Hugo and pretty much that all they need is Hugo. So they have no problem when the guards catch you. They just always the little game over thing is them stabbing Amicia, capturing capturing Hugo. I will say one of the cool things is uh, the what are the words um, Asobo. Studios uh, mentioned that the reason they wanted to try this game is they wanted to try a more narrative-driven experience. Mm-hmm. And they cited two games that made them want to do this. And I can see both implications in it. The first being uh, Last of Us, which I think a lot of people... Like, Last of Us blew a lot of people away. Yeah. This doesn't have... This isn't quite as a... It doesn't have nowhere near the emotional impact. Yeah. But it does have, you can see certain things. You're like, oh, there's a, a plague going on. There's two individuals, a family connection. And mm-hmm. and the other one being, which I really enjoyed this one too, is called Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Yeah, this doesn't play like that, but it has the same, uh, uh, it's still, I want to say the same setting kind of in a way. It's, it would, that's, it's a medieval fantasy setting. Yeah. But it's also very graphic and gruesome at certain points. Yeah. And it's and it's the sibling dynamic. It's stuff yeah, like that. We'll, we'll probably actually cover. We'll probably cover uh, brothers at some point. We've both beat brothers on the three sixty. On the three sixty, but it's actually uh, on Xbox One. It's on our GameFly somewhere. It got a remaster. Sort of a re, really? sort of a remaster. We'll probably wait and bring that game back up. That game's uh, all of three or four hours long. It's not very long, but it yeah. is a good game. Yeah, it's very interesting. Anyway. Um, so they so they they cited both of those as their as kind of being inspiration mm-hmm. for the narrative driven experience which which they wanted of which they wanted to create. Yeah, I mean, I could I could sort of I I can see pieces of both. Yeah, I can see the fantastical elements, uh, the plague situation because I think in both, and then the, I don't think, there's I don't think there's a plague in Brothers. Um, but there's definitely right after a, there's a war of some sort. There's a sort. war, yeah. That blood river. That you chop off that giant's thing to use as a bridge. And yeah. it just, That's cool. We'll talk about that when we get to it. Uh, yeah. I did want to talk about that. So when you get into it, they were going for a darker, realistic, well, realistic, quote unquote, like just a narrative-driven experience. Yeah. Uh, the game has sold well enough because they are keeping it secret. But there are rumors that they're making a second one. Yeah. And when asked about it, they said no comment, but we will 
if there is a two, we will be sure to tell you about it at the appropriate time. Yeah. So they didn't it'll announce be, that they weren't yeah. making it. They just said, don't right, worry wait, about it right a, now. It'll be a next-gen title then. Because people people aren't going to say that that number doesn't sound very good, but they did manage to sell over a million copies of A Plague's Tale. Yeah. And But people were like, a million copies, that ain't nothing. But it took them almost a year to sell a million copies. Yeah. But at the same time, also, that's great for a, such a small company, too. One, that's great for a small company. And people don't think I mean, a million copies is a lot, technically. Yeah. Uh, especially for one, for a small company. Two, this is a game about a plague and rats. This isn't a game for everybody. Yeah. So a million people jumped in, you know. And we, I mean, we didn't buy it, of course, because we're, we're cheap. Uh, the game's actually on Game Pass right now. They got some money from us, though, I'm yeah, sure. They, they get they get some a Microsoft paycheck. But uh, the game is definitely, uh, I'd say it's worth buying. I mean, I'd pay. I'd pay 20 bucks, maybe. 20. At most. Maybe 30. 30 would be. Because for graphics and everything, I could. I, and the, 30. And the, the length. It's got a $30 length probably to it. Uh, it drags a little bit. It doesn't drag nowhere near as bad as uh, Life is Strange. And this is, a, we'll talk We'll talk about the, like the, this isn't an on the road kind of thing. They're, they're these are, these, uh, the Amicia and Hugo are on the run, but they kind of have a, a general idea of places they need to be. Like they just got their, when their mom tells them to run, she's like, go find this guy. Yeah. And you run and run and run and you try to find this guy. And then when you get to that guy, he's like, now nah, you got to go do this. So it's kind of like, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's sort of weak. You're like, just run to the next thing. But you are constantly moving forward with, you're given goals. And there's reasons behind the goals of why you're trying to get to uh, certain places or certain people. But you do go back to other areas. Like every now because some of the games, some of the games, some of the chapters, you are. Unlike a long adventure to get to where you need to go, you got to go find this ingredient or find this book or get information from this thing. But you, there is a slight hub area that you go back to like three times, yeah. maybe four, and that that is a it's it's a hub area where you once you gather all your characters, you get to meet, and some of them you get to go meet out in the world and you bring back to the hub area. Yeah. So it's it's you know, not like a place you build up or anything like that. It's just where. After like a real intense chapter, there's like a shorter. I say there's seventeen chapters every now and then. There's maybe it's like every three two, or four chapters. Two you or have three. A small there's one. maybe two or three chapters that are involved of just being in this place, and you're kind of just walking around. You're com- conversing with the the characters that's all gathered there. Pick up a few of collectibles and other other things like that. Uh, it's a pretty neat uh, place. I think I could be wrong, but I think the it's a it's a castle of I think it's a castle of more like a I don't want to say fortress, but uh, I think it belongs to their family. I don't do you, do you remember in the do you remember Blake in the storyline whether or not this place is like it's been abandoned, but it's I think it's their Amici and Hugo's. I think it's their families by right. Yeah. It's it's completely abandoned, like it's overgrown and it's. I think it's. Uh... I think it's their mother's family's old castle. Yeah. Or old keep but, or whatever. But the weird thing about it is the place... Is this the first rat play? Because this place is clearly built... Even though it's been long abandoned, the place is clearly built to combat rats. I think... Because well, it leaves you... Because that's part of the um, the lure of the world. Is as far as... Docu- as far as... 
documented history is concerned, this is the first one. But the way the castle is set up and certain other situations in the lore that you, you're led to believe this isn't the first one. And that's yeah, why they had this set up. Because what, what's, what's in, I don't know what, 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 what is in Hugo's blood is sort, sort of, not sort of, is kind of related to the rats. And Hugo is not the first person in that family line to have that in his blood. And the bad guy knows a lot of the history. So it, I guess it can't be the first. It's the first like rat, documented one, I think. I guess the first one of its size because it, like, it really encapsulates the whole Capulate, capsulates, encapsulates the whole country. Now, I don't know if it's countrywide or if it's centralized around whatever's active in Hugo's blood is what activates everything. I was kind of confused of where the rats uh, come into play, come, come into play, and come from. But uh, maybe we'll get more yeah. lore. Yeah, because I do hope they make a sequel. Yeah, because this so, one is so it's not. Uh, I don't know. What it's called a spoiler. It does kind of the ending is. Uh, it's sort of I mean, obviously the ending is like there could be another one. Yeah, or like if it, it, yeah, there could yeah. definitely be another one. The way the way the way the ending the way the ending pans out, you're like okay, I can kind of see there's more to be had here, which is kind of interesting because not everything is resolved in the ending and stuff like that. I like that there's because it kind of tells you like you in the in the epilogue as you interact with a few people in the epilogue, you're like oh we're not quite we're not quite safe. People are still looking for us. Yeah. So like that was just. You know, there's a thing, you know, the organization is huge. And I'm sure, yeah, it's, you know, back then it's thousands of people. There's one guy. And even on top of that, uh, the main bad guy of this game is supposed to be answering to a higher, a higher power, but he's kind of got crazy. He's he's gone a little rogue. So he's not even like the, the most powerful arm of the Inquisition who's after you. There's, I guess, the actual full blown. Maybe the full blown church or something. I don't ends know. Ends up being after you, I guess, throughout throughout the story. So it gets kind of crazy. And the tag, I mean, I mean, even in the game's name, the colon Innocence Park, because Hugo is very innocent. There's things that lead you to believe um, what Hugo has could go either way. Yeah. It could be a good thing, but it could also be a very bad thing. So I feel like the Innocence is really, the name Innocence is really related to. Uh, Hugo, Hugo specific. Hugo specifically in the game because he is only a five year old kid. As this stuff is hap- as what is happening to him because he's a no has little, little control. Obviously, no choice either on what's happening to the the what's stuff. Inside what, him. Yeah, what's inside him in his blood. Let's see here. Oh. Let's see here. Oh, okay. we did the TA. We did one K. It. Um, the game does drag unfortunately there are a few moments where it just kind of yeah. drags and so, you can tell because you you spend at one point you spend th- i think two or three chapters making your way to a building to find like some ingredients and a recipe but then later on in the game you're forced to go back to an old area and then back to the hub area and it's literally one episode, you're at the hub area. The next episode, the next chapter, rather, not episode, the next chapter, boom, you're back at this area with no run walk time. Yeah, none of the travel time. All the time you spent running away from a certain place, you end up having to go back. Uh, but you spend chapters getting away from that place, and then one chapter you're just back. I'm like, then how far do we run? I don't know. But that's also, you can tell that time was running low. They were getting close to the end of the game. They were trying to, to wrap it up. But yeah. I, I still feel like some of the chapters could have been cut a little shorter. Sure. The main, the one I think when you're when you're thinking of is you're going back into you're going into a city, 
and you got to get to the the, the, the grand library. You're looking for a book, you get to this library, and you can see the library in the distance. Amicia's like, oh, there it is. I just, I just got to get there. And it makes you get there. Like, you have to run through this whole city of, like, situations. There's stealth, there's rats, there's guards. There's You go through every game mechanic getting across this entire... There is no, like... There's no there's no time leap there. Like you got to work your way through this entire city. That level was long, extremely Very long. long. And I get the idea behind making you face the struggle of getting there, and because it, it's not a straight walk, you got to go through alleyways and all this different stuff. And you'll pop up somewhere and she'll see it off of that. She's like, "There it is. I'm so close." And you got some more stealth and some more rats. But it, it, that was one of the chapters that takes an extreme extremely extremely long time to get through but it makes sense because everything's on you know people there's blockades there's wards they've completely blocked off that they just set on fire because it was faster to do that than try to find out who's sick and who's not Mm -hmm. and then you have all the knights roaming the street there are (laughs) there are kind of cool things you can kind of do mechanically because some guards will carry a full-blown torch Mm-hmm. Torch on like a staff, uh, not a caduceus, but and they're walking with a. Then other ones are unlucky enough, and they're like they have a little lantern, and if you you can you can choose to hit them, or you can choose to hit the lantern and knock the lantern out and just have the rats eat them, yeah. and not draw any suspicion to yourself, because mm-hmm. they'll be like, oh, he got killed by the rats, lucky, unlucky, you know, dude or bastard or whatever, but because guards don't really seem to notice easily other dead bodies because like oh he's dead but if there's like a group of them and they're well, walking out if, if they see somebody you've you've killed without right if you killed them like just a body and there's no, is, no rats around they're like hey somebody's dead over here and they'll start looking around that is well, they true. do notice that and they will look around but they only go so far usually because of the rats you can get caught apparently because you can upgrade her sling her sling makes noise and you can make less noise i guess it does have a pretty for what it is, an in-depth upgrade mechanic for her sling and a couple other things. Uh, also understand that certain materials are finite. You can craft one item too many of some of the uh, more expensive ammunition. Yeah, and the guy, the guide had the guide called cheap ammo and expensive ammo. The, the game itself doesn't call it that. No, the game won't warn you and won't stop you from doing certain things. But they are separated on your crafting wheel. You'll saw the stuff on the top is your cheap stuff. The stuff on the bottom is your expensive ammo. You can craft um, too much expensive ammo and not be able, because it uses the same materials as your upgrades, you can craft too much expensive ammo and never get to finish all your upgrades. And that's if you want to follow achievements, I recommend probably the guide for that. Because uh, there's expensive ammo that I never, never used again. Uh, there's a tutorial. Each one has a, like a moment where you get to use one of them, and you're given a free, a the, free upgrade, yeah. a free, a free use. Uh, other than that, even following the guide of some, two of the three, I think expensives I never used again. Yeah, and it, it'd be cool to it would be cool to have them in certain situations. But you, the, I, I'm actually handling. I, I think about now thinking back when I was doing it, the game. Some parts of the game were annoying. But thinking back on it now, it's pretty dynamic how you can handle a lot of the situations. It's not always every every area is there's not one way to solve no. uh, a lot of places. That's pretty people. People like dynamic problem solving, and she has an arsenal of things. And like I said, 
uh, I wasn't even using some of the stuff. There's all, so there was other ways, ways that I, the way that I handled things, there's other ways you could have done it using the other tools, but you would, you would risk not being able to get the one K in one playthrough. Yeah. Getting all your, you know, get all your upgrades for your other stuff. Cause I, I, my finishing time for this game was 18 hours. And I still felt that it drug its feet a little bit. So, so the game's the game's probably too long, but it's weird because uh, I don't think they were developing like fluff. When things take a while, I feel like they made it take a while. It's weird because I'm, I'm I'm against fluff in game. I think a game needs to do it, get to the point, and then move on. Yeah, this game never seemed like it was abusing like it's time like it was like there's a reason you're doing this there's a reason that takes you this way i don't know am I, am I missing anywhere any pacific place even the traveling from that city from that one part of the town to get to the library i mean it intertwines a little bit but she has to work with me you didn't want i guess you wouldn't want her just to walk because you can't just walk into the town there's inquisition there's rats so they didn't want her just to be able to walk into the town you can't you can't just walk into the library i mean after you kill everybody i guess you kind of can but uh it, it just didn't seem like. I mean, it, yeah, it was too long, and maybe they, they could have shortened that that event, that part of the adventure. But like, they it did never seem like well, we're gonna keep you playing longer. You know, no, because it was also like there was some key story. Yeah, there's that story happened, throughout. Like, yeah, yeah, we act like there's not just uh, like it's just constant uh, stealth rats, stealth rats, stealth rats. In between, as you're working through that town, we're talking about one specific one part of the game. As you work towards that library, there is story things that happen throughout. There, it's it's not spoon. There is small scraps of story mm-hmm. that keep you pulling through, and then there are just moments of huge revelation. But during the city, uh, you find out like you find out a key thing of what the Inquisition is doing, mm-hmm. and why they haven't been killing the rats like they were supposed to. Because there's this uh, particular item that you can start harvesting, but not until the game shows it to you. And then you find out, you see, because you see in the story moment, the one of the Inquisition priests uh, is asked by, you know, it, it's, it's really um, handled well. Like one of the random low-level low guards who's carrying the stuff, he's like, yo... Well, not yo. He's like, excuse me, Mr. Uh, so-and-so, wh- why are we gathering this? What's the importance of it? I don't understand why we're doing this. It's called, like, exsanguinate, exsanguineer, or something like that. Is that crazy name? And the uh, the professor priest goes, oh, allow me to show you. And he picks up a tiny little crystal, sticks it in this jar, adds a chemical or two, shakes it up, and throws it, and you see the effects of it. And they're like, wow. He's like, Yeah. That's amazing, and we're we're harving. We need to harvest large amounts for our master plan. But upon seeing that um, Amicia, being smart, hears how to do it, and she now knows how to make a new ammunition type yeah. that helps you further in the game. So it's 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 handled well, I yeah. do think. That's the one one of the ones she learns on her own. Otherwise, the or your, your alchemist kid, ill buddy Lucas. Lucas, that's his name. Lucas uh, uh, teaches you things because uh, we didn't actually go over their names. We said Lucas. You didn't say the two twins. Yeah, I guess. Arthur and Melly are the, the thief Ro- twins. Said Roderick. Yeah. It's a, it's a side note, because uh, they're when they're when they're traveling with you, they are controlled by AI. Uh, they can. Uh, uh, it, it, it can be annoying, but also kind of funny sometimes. They will. Uh, the AI can take one wrong step. I did have a. 
Lucas one time. Actually, I think just Lucas. Lucas take one one step too many one time as an AI and get uh, swarmed by rats. I had Lucas get killed. I think I had their mom get killed. I think I had their mom get killed one time by accident. By guard because she didn't come fast enough. She didn't enough come to fast enough. And she gets stabbed. Yeah, so the AI's the AI's not perfect. The events that seem scripted sometimes when you're going around guards or maybe going around rats when you have AI with you, they may seem scripted, but the AI can actually uh, take a ta- wrong step. And- take a wrong step or take a or not do something as quickly as you need them to so don't assume that stuff is scripted all the time it's really not yeah some of the puzzles are some you make a noise and you're like oh throw a pot because this happened to me in the prologue actually it's like oh okay I see what I'm supposed to do I take the pot I'm going to throw it and then we're going to run across this opening no big deal and I just I just threw it straight down the thing there wasn't enough time that passed so he turned around and he saw Hugo and my mom and just straight killed him and then turned to me and killed me and I was like crap what do I do turns out I was supposed to sneak across first really quickly and then chuck my pot down a side alley to make him go further away and then call your mom and Hugo over yeah, yeah. so like so, so that's failable it is a trial and error but it doesn't take too terribly long because even with the guide I was trying like, I would only kind of look through to make sure I didn't miss any achievements or any of the collectibles yeah, but for the most part I did want to try to at least once or twice try to solve the puzzles by myself sometimes I look at a puzzle and I'm just like nah how do I solve this because I want to have a good time I don't want to hate the game yeah there's no crazy crazy puzzles in the game Mm-mm. sometimes there's, there's some lever puzzles and stuff like that but even then they're kind of Fairly the game, easy. they're even kind of. I think even the characters are like, "Hold this one." Yeah, they, it's kind of <laughs> heavy-handed with some of the solutions. And I didn't. I, I, at the end of the game, I don't hate the game. Not at all. I. Uh, um, I did find. Because in all actuality, you have some guards, but once they see you, there's really not combat. It's mostly stealth and one-shot hits. There were three, three actual fights in the entire game. There's the final fight. There is a fight before the final fight, like an episode, chapter or two before, and then one real early on. It's like chapter two or well, three. Well, the one I mentioned that first time she killed mm-hmm. somebody is, is a one-on-one. And it ain't just a, like a throw a rock at him. I mean, you're just throwing rocks at the guy, but you have to like dismantle what it, what's... I mean, it's, it's, it's a it's a, a mechanical fight. It's losable. Yeah. yeah there ain't nothing in the game that's... So you're almost never not not in danger. There's nothing in the game where it's going to automatically win for you. The only time you're safe is when you're in the hub area, and that's really only sometimes, like during the day. Yeah. Because you you do the hub thing sometimes. When you first go to the hub place, it's covered in rats. Yeah, it's nighttime. Exactly. Um, One last kind of interesting, cool note. There is a major character who's in the game from the get-go, and he actually ends up... You know he's a he's a he's a major player. I'll say that much. Uh, he's Lord Nicholas of the Inquisition, and he's a kind of higher ranking knight. He has some awesome looking armor. Mm-hmm. Like he looks this. so cool. Looks kind of like the armor of thorns from like Dark Souls or something. It's got all these spikes and stuff all over it. It's really cool looking. Yeah. Uh, he is voiced by a gentleman named uh, Mark Healy, and he's done voice work for a couple of things. Uh, seems to be a kind of a Bioware specific dude. Because he's done voice work in Dragon Age, Origins 2, and Inquisition, as well as Mass Effect Andromeda. Mm-hmm. He, he's done voice work in another game we plan on playing soon called the uh, Dreamfall Chapters. Mm-hmm. 
But his bigger, biggest claim to fame is since Witcher 1 two, through Witcher 3, he's been the voice of uh, Vernon Roach. Oh, yeah. The uh, captain of the Blue Hats or something. I forget what he is. I, I, I can tell you my, uh, not talking, not talking about Witcher right now, but my Vernon Roach wasn't very involved in my Witcher 3. Yeah, but still, but he, depending on your choices in Witcher 2, but he's still, he's a major character and he voices him and he comes and voices Lord Nicholas. And I thought that was a pretty cool little tidbit to tell. Yeah. Um, Spoiler to say that Nicholas is the other fight. Maybe. I don't want to tell him. I don't want to ruin fights. Yeah. Well, so we'll say, uh, I already said it. Nicholas is Nicholas is one of the three fights in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I beat it my first try. I think Blake didn't enjoy it very much. It's not a very fun fight. I beat it but, my second or third because I didn't. Un- well, you you won because I helped you. I gave you the mechanic information up front. I'm like, you. Need, this is what happens. Yeah. And I struggled like two or three times on mine. It is a. Um, uh, it's it's an interesting fight. Now, as I said, thinking back, when you're, when you're in the moment, you're like, man, I don't like this fight. It's annoying. A lot of the fights, even the last boss, which we won't. We'll I'm say, not going to we'll, spoil the We last won't boss. say what it is, but we'll, we'll talk about it here in a second. We'll, we'll wrap up on the last boss, I guess. The Nicholas fight, uh, though not fun, a lot of the fighting is not fun. A lot of the parts I didn't like about this game were sometimes when you in, 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 end up in areas where there's three or four guards, uh, and the game abandons stealth, and it's like you got to like fight these three people, and they're just like, oh, they're like running at you because you can't move very quickly and aim a rock throw it because because you got to aim the rock throws. Though they do kind of lock on, but so but the, have a, a lot of the lock on. kind of a snap lock on, but a lot of the when you're actually thrown into combat, it's not very fun. In the the Nicholas fight, a straight straight combat where you got to get a, get around him and stuff like that. Uh, though that's not very fun, uh, you can appreciate it's a uh, visually visually a very very cool fight. Oh, once I made it past it and stopped being angry at it, I appreciate it. But in the moment, I was like, this is so annoying. This sucks. Because yeah. one of the major fight mechanics is you have to create a an ammunition to help uh, do some stuff. But you don't get to replenish it. You can literally craft your... If you're not good at the fight, you can craft... Because I almost did it. Actually, I think I did do it my first time. This caused me to die because I wasn't understanding you, you, you it. You craft your way out, out of ammo? Yeah. So there's no way for me to win. I get I, I, to no win situation. I couldn't craft the item I needed anymore. It's, 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 it, the area is covered in this stuff, conveniently. I thought it was, I thought it didn't respawn. I didn't see any. Well, no, but it doesn't respawn. But like the general fight, I was picking up. I was picking up stuff the whole fight. Uh, maybe I just took a wrong turn or was so worried about not dying. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but there's a certain. Uh, we won't say how you have to kill him, but it's uh, the whole the 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 visuals of the actual fight. Now, okay, Nicholas knows fires the answer when it comes to rats. Uh, dude, uh, we'll say he lights his sword on fire and it looks really freaking cool. Uh, I think they wanted him to have a big old, big old thing. They knew he was going to be a big fight. He's, he's there throughout the entire game. You run through him a couple of times. You run into him a couple of times. He's always kind of there. He's the right hand man of the, yeah, the main bad guy. So watching it all play, we've, we've praised the graphics plenty, but the whole him, him and his armor and the rats and then. You're sneaking around. His lightning sword on fire, and it all look, it all looks so. It all looks really freaking cool. Wait, when you looking you, back, you get, on you, it. looking back on it, and you're like, oh man, that was actually pretty dang cool. It was a cool fight, honestly. It just it's just not fun. Like being being in active combat in the game is not fun. Um, stealth is okay, I guess, but being in active fight is not actually fun. But that's a cool thing. 
then I guess we'll we'll do our closing things here. The last boss fight is fairly dramatic. We won't say what happens because it because it because of what happens in the last boss fight as the first time it happens. Yeah, uh, it does that thing where you see something you've never seen before, which usually is a a gaming faux pas. Like, don't throw new stuff at me on the last boss. Well, it does and doesn't. It throws like one new thing on top of like three things. No. Well, you experience one of them, but you never actually have to deal with it. You just get to keep running. You have to deal with it this time around. So it's not new. There's another one that you've dealt with quite a bunch up to that point. Yeah. And then there's an entirely brand new thing you've never dealt with. Yeah. So that's not terrible, but I I still don't like a brand new mechanic being added in in the final boss of a game. So the main thing about the last boss is... is, uh, is rats, of course. The, the the rats are part of the last boss. So when you get caught by the rats, it's instant game over. Yeah. That's what sucks about it. <laughs> now there's ways around it, and the way the the way the fight. I don't want to say it's clever, but the fight's man, obviously manageable. We both beat the game. It's it's like a it's pattern. The, the the boss has a clear freaking pattern of what it's doing. I just wish it's it's a it's a um, it's a three. A three tier, like it's like like bosses of video games, you got to do something three times, wop wop wop, and then the ending happens. It made a world of difference to me if they just if they just checkpointed the the the, the three sections. Oh God, yes. Because yeah. you get to the third part of the fight, the, the whole fight. The, granted, the whole fight probably takes two or three minutes. If you if you do what you're supposed to do right, the fight's over in a few minutes. Very shortly. Maybe. Like maybe two, three minutes at the most, because the guy, the way that the, the patterns work, yeah, he, he the boss is right on it. Like he's just doom, doom, doom. Do your part, bop, bop, bop. Do your part one more time, bop, 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 and then your third. I mean, yada, let's, yada, let's, yada. Let's, let's be honest. Amicia's throwing rocks at the at the boss. I mean, that's what you got to hit the boss three times with the rock. I'm not, there's no spoiler there. That's all Amicia does is throw rocks at people. She doesn't get a source. There's no dagger. Amicia likes throwing rocks at people. So your whole slinging point, rocks slinging at rocks at people. So your the whole point is hit the boss three times with the rock. Uh, through process of elimination of our conversation through the podcast, you can guess who the last boss is, but I won't say. Um, but all it really needed, I didn't like. It. I mean, I, I like I said, looking back on it, well, it looks kind of cool. I don't think it's as cool as the Nicholas fight. No, it's um, it's more it's, extravagant, it's but way I think more extravagant Nicholas... and elaborate and crazy. But it's, I don't think it's as cool as the Nicholas fight. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I didn't lie. I, I, doing it, I was like, oh, I hate, I hate, I hated doing it over and over again. Like getting to the third part, the third wave, I guess. And, and then being like, so scared that one mistake and you get, yeah, like, really take, what, what'd you say? It takes what, like, four rats to kill you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four rats touch you, you're done. Yeah. But you found that early on, earlier, earlier in the game that you could actually run, you can run past two, one, two, three rats, but you, you said you got the kill animation on four rats. One, yeah. Because she can, like, she'll, like, freak out and try to throw, because they, you know, they get by, or you're, you're not quite fast enough getting to an item, and you'll get one, and she'll, like, ah, uh, and she'll do the motion, she'll, like, kick it off. Yeah. But if you get four, it does the whole animation if she's being swarmed. So four, from my understanding. Yeah. But, he, the, but but there's lots of rats in the final fights, so, and one one misstep to the right or left, or I mean, there's a lot going on in that fight. Um, but you, it's instant. Every everything is instant death, though. So there's well, it's actually it is two tiered because remember you start in the room and you have to shorten the distance, and then you have the actual final fight because it's a two tier fight, and then the final fight has three hits. That's you have that's to do. right. That's so it's it's a multi tier. I but I, but I got through the uh, the first part. 
the second try. Likewise, I made, second I made try. one mistake and because I didn't. I was like, "What is happening? Oh God, what is happening?" Because I didn't so, understand. But the actual, the actual final, final thing is more multi-tier. Now, granted, it does checkpoint you right there at the first, at the beginning of the final, final fight. Yeah, you just got to redo that thing multiple times until you until you do it good enough to get it right. So, I don't know. I didn't like that. I didn't like that fight either. I say it's not fun. Looking back on it, it's kind of crazy. That, that's a that's a wackadoo fight right there. And then you get your little kind of ending in your uh, epilogue. Um, we did pretty good. I think skipping over most of the we've we've uh, danced around a couple of the different story elements, which is good. Yeah. This is a this is not narrative anyway. Like Life is Strange, there's a lot of combat in this game. I think maybe too much combat. People will say if you yeah. if you people talking about it, there's probably too much combat. Uh, it's not the same, but like I, my another, another well received narrative driven experience, and I say experience would, would be Hellblade, which we spoke about previously, and I didn't agree with the amount of the amount of combat that I had to do. I yeah. felt that it was annoying, but I also felt that it also was there to increase your anxiety and everything. Exactly. It, it pulled you in, but I still a- felt there was too much. A lot of people agree that Hellblade maybe had too much. Some people think Hellblade should have had no combat at all. So it's iffy, know. and this game right here, this it doesn't have combat plagues, per se. There's flat out people running at you, and you got to sling people rocks at them. That's, 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 that's combat. That's yeah, flat out combat. There's moments like when you have to that chariot. You there's to, I mean, there's two or three moments of the game where there's like the guards know you're there and they're running at you. And you're like, Whopper. yeah, but the, uh, it didn't need that. The game, this game may have worked as a full blown stealth experience where you're never. Uh, I mean, slinging rocks at people's heads. I mean, I, I guess that would kill them. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, these rocks are going like a mile or two an hour, pegging you square in the side of the head. There's big rocks, but uh, I think a way of rather than having the deal with her killing somebody, maybe it would have been better if she never did kill anybody. Where the whole point of the game was, she's 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 15 and she has a five year old with her. Mm-hmm. The whole game would be stealth. Getting caught would just be the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I but know. I think they felt they needed some action because there's action. There's some action. It's been a minute since I played Tales of Two Brothers, Tales of Two Sons, but there's some combat-ish in that. No, no, there's not. That's, that's, uh, there's no combat at all in that game. That's but there's combat and... in Last of Us. A lot of combat in Last yeah. of Us. So maybe they they tried to do a balance thing where they it was stealth. They just, maybe they, they just assume that you can't have a narrative without combat. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, but there's also you're two people and there is. Thousands of Inquisition looking for you're realistically you're going to get seen you're going to get found so sort of I guess but yeah, yeah. meh bah humbug it's there um uh, I think uh the game I feel like the game is uh, completely worth playing if you have Game Pass it's on Game Pass right now uh, I say like I think it's we'll be say a good twenty thirty bucks of content for sure uh, they did not fool around with any DLC nonsense there's a uh, a coat of arms DLC, which was like a pre-order DLC, which I think just changes their Mamesias. Uh, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't download it, but it changes Amicia and Hugo's outfits. It's pointless. It's cosmetic. Yeah. So there's no story DLC or anything. That we we always just hope that they just put all their efforts towards a uh, another game. I do worry. We talked about this off podcast that um, what to do in a second game because this whole game is about rats. Really, uh, I. I don't really need a whole nother game about rats. You know? They've kind of... I think they kind of covered it. I don't know what they could do with the second game. 
I don't know either, but I would. I don't want to really kind of guess because I, I don't know what they would do. I mean, they might try to just do rats again. I was just like, uh, do we need to do rats again? I'll play a second one, though. Oh, Hands down, it. I will yeah. play it in a heartbeat. But I, just, I don't know what else they could do. Like anything, Everything that we spoke of and that we theorized and could think of has been done in other games before. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to necessarily try to reinvent the wheel every time you make a, a yeah, new wheel. I, I, I just think a whole other game of rats just... I mean, we didn't go over every the whole. The, we, we we skimmed over the story and the a lot of the games because it's it's just too, there's too much. There's 16, 17 chapters. There's so many puzzles and situations. The whole game is puzzles and situations involved with getting through around and everything you could just about think of to deal with rats. There's so many like dozens of scenarios. I mean, throughout the whole game, yeah. the whole game is rats. It's, it's either you're trying to get through rats or you're trying to get by guards. I mean, that's 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 what kind of makes the, the game feel like it drags sometimes. I think they covered it in this game. That's the thing, you know? But the, the story is not done yet, yeah, really. No, I mean, I well, it could be done. It Honestly, it could be done if they wanted it to. Yeah. But this is also something else. This has nothing to do with the game or anything. This is just a, a little spat me and Drew wanted to talk about. I would love to see a turn-based RPG with this graphic style. Yeah, we, 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 we talked about this on a podcast. Why don't people make RPGs that look like this? Because this, this would be awesome. And I could see it, like, it all adds up in my head. It could be an amazing turn-based RPG with yeah. crafting mechanic. You have a rotating part, party members yeah. of the people you get and everything. But yeah, everybody's people, scared to make... Mostly people are scared to make turn-based RPGs. To make gorgeous turn-based. They're all yeah. down for making an, an anime-style one, yeah, but so an actual sick of, gorgeous... So sick, of, sick of anime games, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish. I just wanted to bring I told that Blake, up. I uh, told Blake to imagine if he played Final Fantasy Tactics and it, and it looked like this game. That would be a... Because this game's already kind of in the same era as Tactics is, so... Pardon my French, but that would be a wet dream. That would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, if Tactics if, could look like that. That art style, those graphics would be... An incredible game. But I think we've just about said what we want to say. Uh, I mean, I think we did pretty good not spoiling. We didn't say any of the major plot points. I mean, the boss, the, the major. Yeah, but you don't know what leads to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> All right. We'll wrap up here with... Uh... Blake basically do a movie. Uh, I I did a 
a band two episodes ago, and we don't do bands and movies during our guest episodes, so we it's still we just swap over and it's technically Blake's turn now to try to sell you a movie, a movie that I uh, again a movie I enjoyed quite a bit and uh, also don't remember, so uh, it'll be mostly Blake. Okay, <clears throat> the movie I'm going to be talking about today is called Upgrade. It came out in 2018. It is classified as a cyberpunk action body horror. And it is written and directed by Lee Wynell. You may know Lee Wynell as the being best friends with James Wan and creating, writing, and directing uh, the Saw movies. Like the, I think James Wan directed one through... I think, well, they co-directed one. Then James directed two, three, and four, but they co-wrote them to that point as well. As well as the those first couple of Saw movies, um, he also helped uh, with Dead Silence. He did. Uh, he wrote and directed Insidious one, two, and three. Hmm. He didn't. I think he produced the fourth one. Yeah. He also executive produced all the Saw films. So he was at least had a hand so in trying were, to keep they, them so they, on track. They've been, work, they've been working together for a long time. As well as that is a more recently, uh, well, two other things. He wrote all the Saw video games that have like the two or three of them that there two are. Two of them, I guess. Yeah. He also co-wrote that movie Cooties with Elijah Wood that we want to talk <laughs> about eventually. Yeah. He did also write and direct The Invisible Man. A new one? Mm-hmm. And it says with that he the... was also be writing and directing the sequel. I don't know how it ended. Uh, the but... sequel? Yeah, we haven't watched it yet. So we're back on Invisible Man again with Elizabeth Moss. She said it's somebody, somebody's acting who plays the Invisible Man you mentioned last Oh, episode. it was the... Oh, I don't know his name, but it was uh, Luke. Lucas from... Oh, Luke from... Uh, House Hill, Hill, Hill House. He was the uh, Invisible Man. He's the Invisible Man. He's actually a... Sidebar here. Uh, we've, we raved about Hill House. I've been trying real... Real hard to watch Bly Manor, and it is real, real bad. <laughs> Blake hasn't started yet. Me and Jessica have been trying to watch it. Um, how good Hill House is, think of the opposite directions, how bad Bly is. I don't know what went wrong, but Bly is so hurtfully boring and dumb a lot of the times. So I'll say that with a tear in my eye and let Blake move on. <laughs> yeah, well. And the other thing is, I think, I think, because Invisible Man was apparently really well received. I guess Elizabeth Moss, man, woman cannot act. They people brag about her, and she cannot act. She has a bit of the uncanny valley in herself. Yeah, just blank stares off in the distance, fighting back tears. It's the same look every time I see her in a movie or a TV show. But the other thing is, they must have really liked Invisible Man because they've already. Uh, he will be. Um, Executive producing, possibly directing, and is doing the story for the Wolfman. Okay. He's not. He didn't do the screenplay. It just says he's doing the story, and someone else yeah. will take the screenplay. But he will be also directing that as well. Cool, cool, cool. cool. So maybe we'll finally get that dark universe, the yeah, universe yeah, yeah. that people have been yeah, wanting. Failing at that repeatedly. But uh, so at least now you have a little bit of Dude, what's busy. going to happen. You, you you understand a tone for the uh, the movie that I'm about to talk about. 
and it's not as torture porn as some of the other ones, but it is very violent when it needs to be. So basically, it follows a gentleman named um, Gray Trace, played by uh, Logan Marshall Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, two big things he was in. He was in Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming, and he was in Prometheus. He's had a, a bunch of other things, but those seem to be the two biggest things I could tell. And uh, the whole story basically follows uh, this mechanic who's Gray Trace. He's also a... Uh, the term would be a technophobe. He's not huge on technology, so he fixes like g- diesel engines and um, you know uh, fossil fuel cars. That's what he his thing is in this semi dystopian future that's mm-hmm. coming up. Uh, and he had been so working. That, that's coming up. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, right around the corner. I'm sure it is. But he he has a wife named Asha. And she is played by a woman named Melanie Valerio. And I bring her up mainly because uh, I always like supporting Power Rangers. Because <laughs> she's a, she's a, she used to play the blue uh, Mystic Force Ranger. Hmm. So I like promoting that. They let a girl play a purple ranger or a blue ranger? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's not the first time Ninja Storm had a girl play the Blue Ranger, but whatever. I'm not gonna <laughs> go down that Power Ranger rabbit hole. Anyway, um, a he he is uh delivering a refurbished car to a a brand new client, a a tech mogul genius named Aaron Keen, who his wife knows. Not knows, but she knows of him because she also works in the tech field. She's like someone's assistant high up. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, oh, we can hitch it to my my car and we'll take it over there. We don't have to worry about, you know, hooking up the tow truck or anything like that. And he's like, you know, he's, remember, I don't want to get in your self-driving car. I'm not huge on your technology, whatever. And so she convinces him because she's the wife. And she's like, get in the car. They get there. They end up delivering it to the dude's house. No problem. And... He gets to show off, you know, he's like, look, you know, look at all this technology I'm making. And he's not impressed. And they go by, you know, shakes his hand. Nice to meet you. Have a good day. Bye. On the way back home, her self-driving car malfunctions and crashes. (laughs) Leading a group of men to accost them and uh, end up killing his wife and shooting him. But he doesn't die. The bullet like hits him in the neck and paralyzes him. And you know, sad story goes on. He comes out of the hospital. It's a huge story on the news because they're like, "Oh, a crime!" So the news has got to blow a story out of proportion. His wife is dead. He comes back home completely paralyzed, and his mom's taking care of him. And he is completely paralyzed, neck down, and ends up trying to drown himself in the bathtub and after the suicidal attempt he is actually visited by because it's made the news the gentleman uh, Aaron Keene who he helped fix that car for and he's like hey I have a piece of technology I know you don't like technology but I think it can help you and he was like whatever whatever and he explains what this technology could eventually do and he calls it STEM and what's it going to do is it's going to release um, nanites into his system. 
and f- because he physically can't do anything, but he, with the implant, the implant will communicate to his brain what it wants to do, and then he'll the brain will tell the the implant what to do, and the the nanites that have fused to his corms will react accordingly mm-hmm. to what he wants now. So he'll essentially be without the implant, he's just a, a, a quadriplegic, but with it, he can move around and function. But it's all help with the stem implant, the mm-hmm. machine. And so this is where the movie, <clears throat> people have given it a lot of praise, calling it a dark revenge fantasy, but with loads of dark humor and amazing action sequences. Mm-hmm. A lot to do with the actor and what's happening. Um, one reviewer called it one half Six Million Dollar Man and one half Death Wish. Because <laughs> what happens is now it becomes a revenge fantasy because he can he has this implant and it's he can like super fast absorb information through the implant and the implant will give him the information he needs similar to like a like a robocop or something like that mm-hmm. and so he ends up he with this dude's help because the he wants because the dude wants to help him get revenge and also show off how awesome his his new machine is and you know because mm-hmm. he's just obsessed with himself and so there is a uh, an ama- I will say one thing if I think the people who made the Venom movie I think they watched this movie like so cuz there are moments a very distinct moment that's very very similar where okay he gets back to his house after everything and he's kind of getting used to the, the, the implant and he's kind of like trying to like pick up a cup and put it down and try and do some little like exercises only to be accosted by a group of people who might be the same people who killed his wife and tried to kill him earlier in the movie. Yeah. And what's happening is the, the stem is talking to him and he was like, would you like me to activate self-defense? He's like, no, what? No, get get out of my head, robot. I don't want to talk to you. And he's like, are you sure? You're being attacked. And he gets um, he gets hit really hard and like goes through a table or a door. I forget which. Is that the one, the, the cool camera where he gets hit and he falls and the camera follows him? It's like follows a, him down. Like yeah. the, guy, the guy Richie camera. Was... Really amazing um, cinematography. Yeah. And he's like, fine, fine, Stem. Activate self-defense mechanisms. I'm tired of getting my butt whooped. And then it does the thing where he comes back up. And with one hand, this dude's trying to stab him with a knife. And he's blocking... One hand, he's just blocking... He's like, oh, God, what are you doing? Get out of here with all that nonsense. And the dude goes to stab him. He then grabs the dude's hand, twists the... Breaks the hand, and then stabs him in the neck. He's oh! And the whole time, the faces that he's making and what he's talking about, he's like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. What are you doing to this poor man? he's just... Basically... It turns into a saw scene where there's just blood splurting out of this dude's neck having been just destroyed by him. And then, like, the whole thing plays out again. He he is just reacting to what his body is doing. Because he has no control. And he's like, dear God, oh no, your head, oh, heads aren't supposed to go that way. And he's just, it's just bloody violent. And then it all comes down. He was like, would you like me to shut off self-defense mode now, uh, Gray? He's like, yes. And they become, there's a cool little bit of banter between the two of them. You can hear them talking. 
But it's so weird that this movie came out and then like a year later Venom came out and it's a real similar like where Venom's controlling his body. Yeah, and it's got the body horror where he's talking to him in his head and it's oddly similar, which yeah. I think is super weird. Yeah. Could be a coincidence. It could be a very coincidence, but it's just like the, the one scene though in Venom where he's like, "Oh, dear God," and he's beating a dude to a pulp with like the refrigerator door and he's doing the same thing where he's making faces and reacting very, to how he's very similar very similar um i don't want to give too much away i just gave you like probably the first 30 minutes of the movie the movie is not too terribly long yeah it says mostly a, a, i remember pizza but mostly revenge mostly it's him the it's it's a not it, well, it's not a fighting movie no by no means it's a destroy people in front of you movie <laughs> yeah cuz he has the, the, the advanced technology helped him take I'll take care of everything Dog just scratched me. Um, I said the plot. Is that a movie you go to for the plot? No, it's just it's just a simple. Like, that's why I mentioned like I said, Six Million Dollar Man, Death Wish. It's just a, a a revenge movie. He's killing everybody who was responsible for the death of his wife. You have all the story from the get go. Yeah, it's similar to like Death Sentence and stuff like that, where it's just I say Death Sentence, not Death Wish. I use Death Sentence because that is a James Wan movie that is a similar thing where something happens and he goes on a revenge quest and it's bloody and violent that's and cool, just that's good. A, that's a cool Kevin Bacon movie. Um, Who's also been an Invisible Man. Yeah. Well, he's a Hollow Man. Hollow Man. It's all connected. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um, one thing I want... I don't normally talk about production companies, but these guys have had a lot of fingers and a lot of paws. But uh, Blumhouse Productions is yeah. responsible for this. I only bring it up I'm almost, I'm almost getting tired of hearing about Blumhouse. They get one one or two big success, and they're like the talk of the town. I bring it up because there is talk of a sequel, but uh, Lee said he wasn't sure how the studio would react to making a sequel. He's like, because it, it didn't do super like financially well. It cost like $7 million, made like 12 or something. Not good. But it was still small budget. And so the, but uh, Jason Blumhouse actually said he would love to make another one of some sort. And so now they've been in talks of working on uh, their TV show format, Blumhouse TV. And they're instead going to make a uh, a TV show because they think they could do that better. <sighs> because they could make, they could find a way to make it cheaper. Cheaper is one thing, but like you said, like, if this wasn't really a movie, it wasn't so much about the story or we're going to do a, a really long TV show about a revenge plot. I mean, I don't know. I mean, even if it's like maybe it'd be be a mini series and make it twelve episodes and done or something. Yeah, I think he's just. I think just Blumhouse dude is just trying to reach out too far. Sometimes he's trying. He's, he needs that next big payoff is what he needs. Every now and then he makes a. He gets lucky with like Get Out and stuff like that. He gets lucky because he keeps reaching out trying to find that next big paycheck. Yeah. But they already have like a few minor details of the story. They've already talked. They've already made it public. It's going to take place a few years later with a, that's funny, with an upgraded version of STEM mm-hmm. with a brand new host so they don't have to worry about the other guy. I think he's... Uh, yes, but I feel like the the, the only reason the, this movie works is because that the way that actor, cause the, all the STEM stuff is the actor. Oh, yeah, so I don't know how well they're going to do. But... He, all the body movements, that's him. He did it all. They got to try to have, get, have somebody else nail that again, I guess. I mean, you can find, like, certain people not, because I'm thinking of, like, random, like, body horrors and people having their bodies act 
body parts acting independently. Like I think back, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a it's a horror comedy. It's like dark, idle hands. I was gonna say idle hands. <laughs> that dude, uh, Anton. Well, his character name. I think it's Devin Sawa. I yeah. think plays, and but that's just fantastic acting. Where he has he has no control over his hand, and it's just. Yeah. If you've never seen Idle Hands, watch Idle Hands. That's it horror, is horror comedy. It's it good. is hilarious. I love when he throws that cat every time. Oh yeah, there's what Seth Green's in that movie. Vivica A. Fox, uh, Jessica Alba, and a bunch of other people. Just super young. It's like ninety six, ninety five. That's funny. It's a whole, but we're not talking about that right now. But certain things, the actor did a lot. So they'll have to find a. And the actor was not only was he serious, was he was able to be really hilarious like whether it was intentional or not just him reacting the face well, yeah, he was man, making sure, sure that's the that's the juxtaposition of the violence to the what, what he his yeah. response to the violence is the comedy it's like oh dear lord what no he's like one guy he just keep he's like man stay down please stay down i don't i don't want to see this keep happening to you stay down please and the dude doesn't stay down that's funny Upgrade uh, is a fantastic movie. It's fun. It's a fun movie. It, you're not. I'll say you're not going for the story. You're going to go for watch this actor play the stuff off and the the uh, the, the choreography of the action scenes and like some good uh, good directing. It's just a fun movie. Yeah, it's just a simple turn your brain off and enjoy the next ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. People want to be like, ooh, I want a a cerebral or an intense drama. No, there is literally nothing wrong with watching a movie that has like. For me, one of my more favorite movies in recent years was um, <clears throat> The Raid Redemption. The story on that is paper thin, but that is an hour and a half movie of turn your brain off and watch bones get broke and people get punched through walls. It is a fantastic movie. I'm on the, I'm on the other other side where I think people rave about The Raid too. I, like, I swear I like the first one better. I think the first one first was better raid. choreographically, but there was more story in the second one. I guess. So. I, thought, I like the first one more. People, but let's, people... let's not talk about the raid. Let's not do that. Sorry, we keep going on tangents. Um, final uh, thoughts on raid. Uh, wh- raid? Or no, uh, <laughs> final thoughts on upgrade. Upgrade. Uh, we'll say uh, because of the way the way the action scenes are done, like you want to, you want that to be the first time you see that stuff. So please don't watch a trailer. I know we're our whole podcast. I feel like we forgot to mention it a couple of times. Probably have, but don't watch trailer for the, the trailer is going to show you a lot of those early action scenes or a lot of the, the trailers. The whole trailer is going to be just snippets of the action scenes. It's going to ruin everything for you out of context. Just don't watch the trailer. If you want to see a cool action movie, just go find upgrade. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. Or not. We have a Blu-ray, so yeah, I, I, we. I, I, it's one of those things where I do we watch it first. No, I, I think we. I saw part of a trailer just because I was like, "What is going on?" Oh, oh, I, I watched like thirty seconds of it, and I was like, "Oh, I want to see this movie." I just stopped the trailer, and then I ended up finding it used at our local um, at a local video store, and we bought it for like ten bucks. Yeah. Oh, oh, actually, I was off by the money. It, the movie only cost three million dollars to make and made seventeen million. That's actually a pretty good profit. That's actually incredible. That's you, actually you, really you were way good. off on that money. I really was. I got the numbers mixed up because I are dumb. Mm. Yeah, so don't watch a trailer because you're going to miss out on all. It's going to spoil all the. And a lot of the stuff is a lot less fun out of context. Uh, if it's just going to show you, it's going to show you the trailer. Probably, I assume. I don't think I saw a trailer. It's going to show you like the stabbing scene Blake talked about, but you, you won't get the rest of the scene. It's just, it's just going to spoil things. What trailers always do is they spoil things. Trailers are ruining everything these days. We saw something. Me and Jessica went to a 
What? We finally went to the theaters again, finally. And we saw, of all things, we went and saw uh, Hocus Pocus because it was like the only thing really showing in the theaters. And uh, it was tra- trailers in the theaters. We, 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 we didn't time it right. And there was just trailers just blatantly showing whole movies. Thankfully, it was movies I don't want to see. But I was like, is there anything left of this movie? Like, you've shown the, 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 like, it's like, like, like a love, like two people meeting and then they, they get happy and then they break up and then they get back together. It was like, this trailer just showed the entire movie. Yeah. Like, I get that's the plot of a romance movie, but like, Jesus, you showed, they showed every inside it, like the two people meet and they break up and they get back together. It's We've like also this. spoken with a few friends, well, a few friend, uh, that's like in the movie making industry, and he talks about how the even most people who are involved in making the movie, the directors, the writers, they hate the trailers uh, industry as well because the people who make the trailers have nothing to do with the movie. All they're trying to do is craft a one to two minute preview of the movie that has the mo has like the widest net ca- uh, net casting to reel in as many people as possible to come see the movie. So they like, oh, if it spoils the movie, I don't care. Because they want to show you the action. They want to show you the romance. They want to show you the drama. And they show you every, a little bit of everything, which a lot of times ends up showing the entire movie. Yeah. I was saying to, uh, we, we, we got to wrap this up. I was saying to Blake the other day, uh, for uh, for the movie Crawl, for one thing, which is mm-hmm. it was, it's, well, it's, it's an alligator movie. Like I get it. It's, it's a creature not, feature. It's a creature feature movie. It's, it's alligators. Uh, cool movie, fun movie. I, I'll give it. You know, I, I enjoyed it. But when you watch, if you see a trailer for that movie, which me and Jessica did see the trailer for that movie, because we, me and Jessica tried to go see horror, and before Crawl came out, we we go see other horror movies, and every trailer is the Crawl trailer, Crawl trailer, Crawl trailer. We're like oh my god, what the Crawl trailer does is shows you every single time. Somebody is attacked by an alligator in that movie. We ended up we ended up watching that movie, which I still enjoyed the movie, but I knew every alligator attack in that entire. The trailer shows you every time somebody's attacked by an alligator in that entire freaking movie. And we do our best to avoid them, but sometimes you go to the theater and you just you get too early and you forced to watch a trailer. Now I try. To, I've looked away from important movies and stuff like that. I looked away. I've still been looking away from a uh, Quiet Place Two. Oh yeah, I, I haven't seen none of the trailers yet. I, I see it start. I'm like, oop. Look away from that one. Cover your ears. Still haven't seen Quiet Place 2 yet. Because uh, I love the first Quiet Place. I love the first Quiet Place. Literally, one, it's great. But, well, no, it's a spoiler. Damn. Yeah. There's a there's an early reason in Quiet... There's a, there's something they do early in Quiet Place 1, which I uh, I appreciate. I, yeah, I yeah, adore it. I was like, I was like all right, they that. got balls. But anyway, it's a John Krasinski. So, I mean, John it's, Krasinski. it's his movie. Anyway, way off topic here. Don't watch a trailer for this. Don't watch a trailer for freaking anything. Mm-hmm. Like you I mean even even uh what's it what's it called Bly Manor now Netflix is okay just blatantly showing everything about Bly Manor, um, somebody else somewhere, I don't know if Amazon was involved or not somebody else has been getting some heat because they've been showing blatant boy spoilers or just like just right out right out in the open they're just like showing the boys like boys trailers they're just blatantly showing spoilers. Like right when a trailer starts, just like I don't want to. Like, I've I've dodged them all. Yeah. But like I don't want to see that. Like I'm not gonna. If I, you show me everything, I'm not gonna watch this crap. Mm-mm. You know. Especially for like the boy, because I I love the boys. We're not yeah, yeah, do we're, season two yet, but it's fantastic. We're, 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 we started season two, but uh, yeah. I mean, pe- people may. I'm surprised it hadn't really crap. I'm, I'm surprised as the world's evolved that the the way trailers exist isn't been changed, been re re uh, reevaluated. Yeah. Like you gotta like. I don't know. 
We 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 got a freaking trailer tangent here, but trailers annoy the hell out of me. Um, I should have that, that. Did my rant give you enough time to find your tagline for upgrade? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> Don't not get, not got one. Oh, give me give me one second. I, I guess I maybe I just need to look for a poster. Poster the tagline. So uh, with me, uh, that's that's pretty much it for me. I've been trying to buy Blake some time, but uh. He'll, he'll do his tagline and his uh, little wrap-up, and that'll be the end of this episode. Uh, thank everybody for listening. Hit up all the uh, you know the social media nonsense. We appreciate anybody who gets, gets on there and interacts with the different things we do. And uh, I know I keep saying it, but one of these days, Blake's going to stream something. I know. I'm, I'm trying to, I'll try to do it on Monday because I worked too late this Saturday. I'm not going to work on Monday. Yeah, so he's, he, he's just, he don't think about it. There's no habit there. We didn't, we still want to, uh, uh, we know Garrett, you're listening. We still would want to, uh, do a big, uh, no man's sky paired stream together to teach you the, well, just to watch your, your, your like live, your live reactions to no man's sky and, and what, it, what that game is now. So on Garrett, hit us up, man. Let's get the no, no man's sky going. You ready, Blake? I am when you are. All right. That's it for me, guys. Here's Blake. Upgrade. Not man. Not machine. More. <laughs> Not the worst one. No. I think, uh, oh, yeah. To everybody, uh, I wish everyone a good evening and good night.